Hello, and before you get started on this episode of Zap to the Past, we would just like to give a massive shout out to the following people Andy Marsh, Cole Hutchinson, David Hearn, Sven Oser, 2000 DC, Gary Heather, Roger McNally, Lee Dove, Mark Fletcher, Etienne Wettingfeld, Niall Bullitt, Alexander Gosling, Tim TJ Walker, Phil Sowerby, Joshua Kay, Dominic Kendrick, Rune P, Nick James, Daniel Spreadbury, Peter Price, Richard Davey, Dennis B, AL82 Retro, Liam Carew, Dylan DeArch, Trevor Planner, Alistair McMillan, Mark Schutz, Lee Sparkles, Dan Wales, Gary Wilson, Oscar Jacobson, Brian Howarth, Rob Clayton, Clyde Radcliffe, Juan Luis Sanchez, and Adam Askew. These amazing people have backed our patron at the C64 tier, and the support they offer is just awesome. If you want to join them, get a mention in next month's shout-out, access to our Discord server, early access to ad-free episodes, along with any special releases we put out along with anything else we can think of, and sign up by the 18th of the month at patreon.com forward slash zapped to the past for little more than the price of a sandwich. It helps us keep playing the games so you don't have to. Welcome to episode 129 of Zap to the Past. I am Adrian Mills and I'm joined as always by Mr. Graham Raddings. If you haven't listened before, this is a podcast where we discuss games that were released for the Commodore 64. We are using the magazine Zap 64 as a monthly guide for the games to focus on, but we are in no way affiliated with Zap 64 itself. This week... We start our look at August 1989 and the first batch of games reviewed in issue 52 of Zap 64, along with what was also going on in the UK singles and albums chart that month. Graham, the games are getting fewer, but is the quality getting higher? Please inform us. In this thought-provoking episode where, amongst other things, we authenticate a signed first edition copy of Fly Fishing by J.R. Hartley, we grab our best monitor drone and sneak around some robot-filled maze-like techno cities searching for bits, pieces and exits in the enticing Citadel, pop to the local arcade club, non-sports bar, club arcade type thing for a game of foosball or crazy pool for reasons in the optionally intense American club sports and set about avenging our ninja brother, finding some tape and kicking a few pumas in a specky-esque Saboteur 2, Avenging Angel. Thankfully, not only was our copy of Fly Fishing authentic, but we were able to keep it for J.R. Hartley himself. How cool is that? This podcast is not just there for the nasty things in life after all. While we wipe away the tears of emotion, we scoot around some more Amiga demakes, this time in the story-heavy and quite well-packaged, but ultimately pretty boring, Baal. We go full-blown isometric shooter in the juddering junk pile Zaxxon clone no one asked for, but appropriately named H-A-T-E Hate, before we finally get even more concerned about slapping noises, only this time as tiny pixel ninjas in the somewhat odd but fun Ninja Commando. Another episode in yet another classic game in the mix. Sadly, as is always the case, 
It's accompanied by some that are, well, not as good. However, an uptick is an uptick. That's a good have you equation. Us? I have, <laughs> yes. That? I've just done it, yeah. Well, the, well the, the less games, the quality must go up. It's, it's, you know, yes, yeah. There's more chance for it. It only needs one to pull up the average quite a lot this time. So yes, it's a good maths. The maths is working in the Commodore 64's favour at the moment. <laughs> There's less coming out, so the chances of there being a good game in there, much higher. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, I like those maths. But also... It, They've also, somebody out there is just releasing dog eggs, aren't they? They're just doing it. And we're going to maybe come across some of those as well. <laughs> there, there may be some, yeah. So uh, how are you anyway? Did you enjoy your holiday? Just so our listeners know, because you've been on holiday. So. I have, yes. I've been away. It was very nice. Thank you. Yes, um, all good. And um, yes, of course, it was meant that you had to ask the podcast five. So um, hopefully you all enjoyed that. Although the way that we do record these sort of things, they'll have already listened to another episode in between us saying this. So it's all kind of get a bit weird, doesn't it? Um, uh, yeah. That's true, yeah, because they've had one to eight. Yeah, well, we hope you've all gone and played um, the games of one to eight. Well, the one game that was amazing. So, what was it called? Um, Project Firestart. Project Firestart. Yes, yeah, that was a that's a real corker. That one. So go do that, and then maybe avoid maybe one or two of the others. <laughs> I've, apart from Jack Nicholas's incredibly long title, there's not a lot else I can uh, remember from that episode, <laughs> and it was only two weeks back. Was there uh, anything else? Stormlord was, was so good. Yeah, Stormlord, oh, Stormlord was pretty. Was pretty, wasn't there? Oh, there was that pretty difficult, game. yeah. Oh, that boxing thing. Street cred boxing. Street cred boxing. Yeah, I won't wish that on. Yeah, was that was that for the, was that for last anyone. week? Was that one to eight? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was I believe so. Eight? Yes. Was it really? It better a bit because it's goodness. in the blurb. Is it? <laughs> Which, I think it was. But <laughs> pretty, what do I know? Was it? I'm pretty sure it was. Who knows? Maybe it was. Maybe it was two weeks ago, three weeks ago. It's all that matter. Anyway, don't play it because it's crap. Project Firestart. Go do that. Play that one. But also maybe some of these. Who knows? Uh, before we get into the games, start of a new month, so we must look at the cover. Let's look at the cover, Graham. Yes. Well, I'm it's obvious a, what game that's about. This one. Yeah, the game that's not in this issue. Yeah. Why is that? Oh, it's a free poster, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's basically. So, I mean, the films. The films here. Yeah. yeah. I'm just. It's not Oliver Frey's greatest drawing. That. <laughs> I don't like the big, big white, the big batch of white at the top. I, re- I really don't like that behind Batman because there's Batman. There's Michael Keaton's Batman no. pulling a funny pose. <laughs> It's like, he's take a bit. my fist. Well, like, it looks to me like he's just stu- he's stood on a Lego brick. That's the face you pull when you stand on a Lego brick. You're like, ooh! That's the, that's the, that is the pose you pull, yeah. It's like, yeah. <laughs> Holy Lego brick! It's that moment, because you don't screw out in pain, you just stand frozen in, like, shock and horror. And that's the, and then you clench your fist, and that's exactly what it's like. If you were in a Batman suit, maybe you'd feel it. You know, maybe you wouldn't. I don't know, but yeah, maybe it's good. like stubbing your toe. There's those. There's that second and a half of no pain, and then the pain. Yeah, it's like yeah. How, how long it how long it takes your body for the pain to get up to your brain. Uh, oh, but yeah, that. it's not a good. What is it? I mean, the bat. It looks like Michael Keaton's Batman. It's a Batmobile. There's a what is that in the bottom right? Is that Asteroth? That well, I presume that's an Amiga game. It must be. We're not looking yeah, at it that. must be. Yeah. I don't like the fact you can't read any of the text. It's a bit nipply, that. Was, Maybe. It was boobs in the last issue. Now it's nipples in this one. What's going on? I don't know. But you can't read the text. Citadel, the game... Uh, uh, Zybot... I read that I as like Citadel, it. the game of dairy farmers, but I'm pretty sure it isn't. <laughs> so. I don't think it is, no. <laughs> this isn't a very good... No, Batman, the film, the no. comics, the game, movie poster inside. It's not a good cover, is it? There's not a lot to say about it because it's yeah. just rubbish. Is there not a Batman preview in that episode, then? It's you, sorry. That's a bit there, crap, Yeah, it? that's it. It's a big, there's a big Batman preview, yeah, but there's no... 
And the um, film, the film is out this month in August, right? But the the game is not, which seems again one of those things. I, I imagine they're just things, riding on the okay. coattails of the Batman hype, which was pretty massive in August 1989. It's I seem crazy. To remember. The hype for Batman was ridiculous. So um, ridiculous. Pretty much what it is. Anyway, there you go. Jots on it, isn't I it? I can't oh, get much. No, com- no, I can't get. I can't get enthusiastic about that cover. No, because there's nothing can't enthusiastic it. on it, other than the word Batman. With the exclamation mark, which it doesn't need. doesn't need that. It's like going, Batman! No. It's like, that's some, that's somebody shouting Batman. That isn't Batman. And does it need that? Batman stood right there. It's obvious who it is. He's got the Batman logo on. It's not, it's not going to be, who is that guy with the Bat logo? Is that Fishman? Is that Fox guy? <laughs> who is that? I don't know. I, I wouldn't recognise him if he didn't have anyway. that exclamation mark. And then as for and as for Astaroth down there. It's a it's just a bubbly, bloomy mess. I don't, well, I don't like it. it. It's the mouth that it bothers me, the mouth. It's just, I have a feeling that was drawn last. <laughs> by, by maybe by someone else. Yeah. He's got no mouth. Sure that, who drew that? He's got no yeah, mouth. She's got oh, no I'll teeth. Draw one in. <laughs> you, you draw they the mouth like upside teeth. down. <laughs> yes. Oh, dear. It looks like, she looks like she's got false dentures in at the top. Yeah, and she's taking the bottom ones out. She's just getting, she's trying to reach for the other one. That's what that claw is coming in. Trying to reach for the top it layer of the teeth. claw. The claw. Anyway, yeah, rubbish. No. Not rubbish, just not great. Just not great. Let's move along. Let's get into some games. Let's get into the first one. And that first one, Graham, is over to you. And it is one of those games that we cannot read about on the cover because we can't read the text. It is Citadel. Tell us all about Citadel. Ah, Citadel. Well, this was a bit of a surprise, actually. A surprise because it was published by Electric Dreams, and they've not had a great history with the us and the podcast, have they, really? They've always been a hit and miss. But this was created by Martin Walker, who has always kind of delivered the goods, as it were. This was coded by Martin Walker, Dan Phillips, and John Kemp. I don't know who held the keyboard. One maybe held the TV, and the other one did the programming. I don't know how that works for three of them. <laughs> um, but either way, that was a, a, a threesome of coding that produced some good stuff. The title screen was Robin Levey, or Levy, or Levy. Depends how you say it, of course. The musician, of course, is old Twinkly Toes Martin Walker again, out of many talents. Many talents. Mm-hmm. This game scored 91% yeah. in Zap. It sizzled. It was a sizzler. And it cost mm-hmm. a sumly £9.99p. Okay. There's some preamble and background story, which I'm going to go through because it's quite nicely written, unusually for this kind of thing. It's still a little bit wordy, but what the hey. It starts off with, and in that dark place, a silence grew. A silence that threatened to engulf all in its encompassing reaches. Sounds good. It hung in palpable folds around the fabric of the forgotten corridors, its dusty films smothering the former majestic glory. Indeed, it was no longer a place for wonder. Now only caution prevailed. But only caution could be advisable in a disused city that held untold secrets and horrors. Each defence had been cunningly contrived. And no outward sign of danger was apparent, even on close inspection. There was one consolation only to be savoured for even as the traps could close their grinning jaws on the unwary. So also, they held no loyalty to their designers and could be turned against them. Against them. Against them. What does all that mean? Anyway, I, mean, I suppose it sets Sounds the tone. Perfect. But you just I read that paragraph and I was like, oh, that's that. after, after you've read it, it's one of the things you're like, oh, yeah. And you're like, hang on a minute. What does that even mean? Anyway, it doesn't matter. The background story is this. <laughs> During routine exploration of the outworld colonies near Atena Pool, um, which is just down the road from Blackpool, a faint energy emission has been oh. picked up. You used to do a lot of faint energy emissions in my bedroom. Um, <laughs> apparently emanating from a small barron world previously assumed them. lifeless. Yeah, it's definitely 
<laughs> True. Well, we fainted, maybe. <laughs> a remote probe has since provided details of an underground city complex set deep, deep into the heart of the planet. With a single concealed entrance on the surface, it seems completely devoid of any humanoid life forms, but the power systems of the city are still operational, as well as the automatic defense systems, which seem to detect any movement or hostile activity. Since contact was lost with the probe, now presumed destroyed, the Council Elite has decreed this area forbidden to all but droids and remotes. From the safety what, of t- your TV control remotes. center, you... Yeah, they're allowed. They've always been allowed. Infrared's good. That's good. Yeah. From the safety of your control center, you control monitor a hover drone Mark IV remote device. A hover drone Mark IV remote device equipped with the flotation engines and quad pen thrusters for directional movement. I like the idea of some quad Ooh. pen thrusters, mate. Give me some of that. that. A miniature armoured screen is built into Monitor, which will display what information we already have on the different devices you may find during your explorations. Your first Monitor has been deposited at the entrance of the uppermost city. To reach the innermost city and secure the technological secrets of this long-dead race, eight cities must be negotiated, each spread across two stories connected by lift shafts. And with its own unique defense systems, if your monitor is destroyed, we can beam limited replacements to the last lift shaft visited. Untold secrets may lie deep within these cities. Your chances of success are slim, but our thoughts go with you, and we will monitor your progress closely. So there's your background information. Are you excited? Mm. I can tell you are. I'm very excited. Yeah, very. So it says in the blurb, to complete the level, to reach the next city, simply find the exit of the current one. That's a straightforward goal. I like that. Um, mm-hmm. Some corridors may be blocked by force beam generators. These are deadly on contact, but each should have an on-off switch somewhere nearby. It may be necessary to move freely between the two stories of each city to find the exit point. Lift shafts provide easy access between the stories. Monitor has a capture probe, which can be used to grab and use any object. Once in capture mode, moving the probe over any object will activate the built-in mini screen, showing what type of device is currently targeting, as well as how much energy is required to use it. And that's the, that's the blurb because I'm going to sort of dive into a bit more of the game now. So that sets the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, so this game has some visual similarities to Braybrook's Paradroid, but it is kind of a very different game all said and done. It's very polished and, as always, a very clever designed and implemented game from Mr. Martin Walker. Those are nice things. Mm-hmm. From the initial loading screens, which look really nice and well-drawn, big and well-grown, um, to the sparkly and brilliant music that pretty much shouts kind of Martin Walker's style at you, Citadel welcomes you with a very professional handshake, I felt. Mm-hmm. The title screen is typically understated, much like uh, Armalite, I suppose, in that kind of way. So, you know, there's not there's a little bit of information on there. It gives you some insight into the enemy types and things like that, but it's not, you know, it's classic sort of Martin Walker, this is the title screen, it's just a launch point. You know, I don't need lots of fancy big scrolling messages or fancy colours, bars and things like that. Um, you press the fire button and that starts the show and the opening interstitial and the sci-fi sting will show you the simple UI at the top, of, at the top, which reveals your score, the levels, the game title, your energy, etc. And a side view of the map of the city complex you're about to enter. Above that, the announcement is there for all to see. Prepare to enter Alien City Complex. And of course, the further you get into the game, then the more of the various different cities you'll obviously see in that little announcement. Fire button at that point begins the game. Official. You'll be welcomed um, by a very well-realized kind of grid view of you and your location in the city. The view is top-down throughout the game, with the floor generally represented by what looked like carpet tiles, I thought, and then um, walls presented with a kind of block, sort of techno pipes kind of thing. You get the idea of it. They all fit the theme. They look really nicely realized, I thought. Um, I imagine on a CRT, they look the business, really. The UI has remained at the top, but is essentially a character line or so, maybe a little bit more than that, but just at the top. 
The rest is all game. It's well shaded and thought about. Uh, it's medium res, but there's very de- there's nice details and nice the way they've done the shading is very nice here. Um, it's a nice looking game right from the get go with great graphics, and so that's you know, it sets its still out very instantly. The music has given way to kind of sound effects at this point, but they have a kind of nice omnipresence that they sort of and it, that reminded me again of Paradroid that has the same kind of idea about having the sound effects in service of the game. And the, ser- and the service of the game with the sound effects works really well. So no really crazy, annoying sounds, just sounds that you would expect to be in kind of an abandoned city full of robots, which is good, which is exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. You start off things by appearing from a kind of trapdoor in the floor. You control your monitor or your, uh, your monitor hover drone with the joystick in, I think what I would say was a very well out series of controls, very well thought out series of controls. You can only move your drone up, down, left and right, one square or place. If you choose to do it that way, if you move and then hold the fire button, your drone will continue to move in that direction, which is nice. Your direction of thrust is indicated on the drone with little light, which is also a really nice touch. And if you hold the fire button when still and move the joystick, you can shoot in eight directions. And if you are moving with the fire button pressed again, you can also shoot while you're moving. All of that takes seconds to get used to and is very, very clever. Now, we've played loads of games where they don't just don't get controls. The one thing I'll always say about Martin Walker games I think with maybe the exception of maybe one where the controls were perhaps a little bit convoluted, even though that sounds like a complex series of controls for a, a game, it's actually, once you, know, once you know what you're doing with it, it's dead simple. It's yeah, really it simple. Is. It is. Now, this is a particularly clever touch, I think. If you press and press the button twice and hold it down on the second press, that initializes your capture probe. That's such a clever way of doing it. Mm-hmm. So easy to think about. When you see the second probe graphic and it becomes controllable with the joystick and you can use that to check out Objects, use and switch things on or off and pick objects up and also control things. I'll come back to that. So as you traverse the maze-like city, again, not unlike Paradroid in the way you do that, you'll encounter sliding doors in the floor, which are the city defenses. These these um, get close and they open and release one of the city's defense droids. Some of these are turrets, so they're in situ turrets and they'll shoot at you, of course. Some of them are droids that will follow you about and get in your way. And if you touch those, well, you touch them too many times, you're dead. You've got an energy bar, remember? And energy is taken down by getting hit by their bullets and so on and so forth. And eventually, well, you're going to go kaboom and you go back to the last lift where you emerged from. Um, so you can shoot at them by holding the fire button and shooting and moving the joystick in different directions. But your ammo is limited, but replenishable. So you've got to think about that a little bit. So you can't just go in there guns blazing. This is not a shoot up And if you treat it like one, you will be dead very quickly. So it requires a bit more thought. So the idea here is more, more thought, process, shoot where you have to avoid and start to think about your positioning of where you are and, and where you need to be. You will be able to destroy them. Sometimes the turrets, you can destroy them permanently so that once you do that, they're, they're not going to reappear there. Other times you can't do that and enemies are going to appear and continually appear. Now, it's not like they keep appearing and spawning and bothering you. And in fact, in actuality, you can sp- just be sat sort of strategizing and thinking about how you're going to play some of these and they're not mm. necessarily going to come and annoy you. They're just, they'll buzz about. They, they don't see you as a threat unless you become one. Really clever, that is. Really clever. Because your instinct is just to go in there, guns blazing. But you'll quickly realize that you'll be dead if you do that. So you've mm. actually got to sort of move a bit and think, right, if I go over there, then this is going to be there and that will follow me there. And, and you can sort of do things like that. So you've got to think. So remember, you can shoot in eight directions. So sometimes you can position yourself in ways that give you an advantage in the way you shoot things. And because some of your enemies don't shoot that way. And other times as the game progresses, well, doing that gets a lot more problematic. And the game level cities do get a lot harder in the way they're laid out and the way you have to think about them. Mm-hmm. Throughout the city, there are also doors, which if you touch them are fatal, so you need to find the nearby switch and activate it to open them. Now, we've said before, oh, doors that electrocute and kill you, that's a cheap shot. But they made it clear in the instructions that will happen. So it's yeah. in those other games, in those other games, you weren't told. You just yeah, went to them like, dead. Ram- Rambo 3, wasn't it? Yeah, but in this, you're, you're told in the instructions very clearly, if you touch the doors, you're dead. 
don't do that. Find the switch. Yeah. It tells you. It tells you what to do. So yeah. if you go and run into one, it's your own stupid fault, isn't it? Um, so you'll do that. And it's not like it's difficult. You use your control device. So you press the joystick button, hold that down on the second press, move the thing to the switch, and then it activates the switch. And then that's it. Now, obviously, this is one of those games where you've got to try and navigate your way around a maze. And so some switches are triggered by certain things. And well, you get the idea of the, the way the puzzles are kind of going to work. There's also lifts which take you around the various, say, the various levels, but they take you up to the second or first level. So you've You've got to kind of navigate your way through the different levels of that. Very clever. And again, I thought that was a little bit akin to the way the Dreadnought levels work in Paradroid a little bit. Not quite the same, obviously, but there's just a, there's a similarity. Lifts, overhead view, mini robots that are a, sort of a one sprite square of, of size. You know, there's similarities. The levels are all differently colored and, the, and there are strategic placements of things that you can use in order to gain access to other areas and things like that. So you must move around the levels of the city, navigating the hazards and city defenses in order to find the exit to the next level. There are some really clever details in this, though. Dotted around the city are various upgrades you can use to increase your firepower, energy pods, which will give you energy boost. You can also capture both enemy units and turrets. Now, this was something I thought was genuinely brilliantly clever. So it costs you energy to do that, which is a really clever touch. So you need to think carefully how you're going to do it and, and what the outcome of it might be. But you can either take over control turrets, which will then just turn them to your advantage, and they'll shoot at their enemies that come near. So then instead of shooting at you, they shoot at the other unit, enemy units, or even other turrets if they're within the range of that turret. Um, so you can do that. Or you can capture mobile units. And when you do that, you can use them as shields. So they'll follow you around and you can push them in front of you and use them as shields to bash into things. Mm. Or you can indeed block certain areas of the map with them because you can then take the controls away or just block an area so that you can get through and it keeps the enemies from spilling out into you. And, and it, again, it's a really, really clever idea. And it makes you strategize about how you play in this game more than just going thinking that you're going to go and shoot everything. You've got to think, actually, where am I going to put that unit? I can't get over there, but maybe I can with a bit of extra support. It's so clever and it's so intuitive. Really good stuff. So you've got to use all those skills and that skills and et cetera and, and all those advantages and carefully guide your monitor and your capture drone to the exit. There are eight levels to go out of eight cities and I can tell you they get challenging. I think I made it to the third one, mm -hmm. um, but that's because the third one is particularly difficult. There's different enemies in each city and some are a lot more difficult than others and some are relentless as well. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that the game is difficult and over-challenging. It's not. It's just that you've got to think... I suppose that another way of looking at this is kind of like a robotic, almost like, I want to say boulder dash, but not because it's full of mud and boulders, but just because you've got to think about where you're going to release things and where you're going to be and what what you've got to think a little bit ahead of yourself. Anyway, I thought this is a very clever, highly polished and challenging, but not overly challenging, not Stormlord challenging or Navy movie challenging. It's, it's difficult, but it's a puzzle game and the puzzles and the way you play it gradually help you. And the first level is easier than the other levels. So you, you've got an in as well. Mm -hmm. You're not bombarded with constant killing drones and navigating your way around is easy enough. It's It works how you want to play it as well. What you can't do is fly around blasting everything because that's you're going to run out of ammo and that's not the way you play this. You've got to think, you've got to pause for thought, you've got to strategize a bit, you've got to work your way through these cities, thinking about where you're going to be and how you're going to do that. The scrolling, as with everything in this game, is flawless in terms of the code as you move around the, the city and how it all works together and what it presents is excellent. And I think it makes it an excellent game for the C64, one that deserves a very special place, I fear. Yes, it is, I suppose, it has a little bit of a striking nod to Paradroid. I think that's more of a, more of a nod than anything else. But this really starts and stops at the viewpoint and, and to a small degree, the layout, perhaps the way the sound works a little bit. That isn't the same thing. There's just a similarity in overhead view games of this sort. We could argue that there's loads of Paradroid clones because they're overhead. This is, this is a little bit like that, but maybe it's just because it's robots and stuff anyway. There's enough differences here, core differences to make it a totally different experience. So, But if you're going to be like a game, Paradroid isn't a bad game to be like, really. And if you're no, being likened no, to Paradroid, 
That ain't the bad thing either. So I think there's a nice pace to this because it works at your own pace. You control how you move, you manage the encounters, and you decide how best to get through those cities. And they are challenging, but you're making your way through that. So you can figure out, and it might not be the same game. And there's even ways you can play different variations of this. So I think you can choose in the in the um, opening, you can choose a variation that is um, normal trap layout. And then if you press F3, you can select to get a version with random uh, trap layouts as well. So you mm. can really challenge yourself to play a completely different variation of this as well, which is quite nice. So I think overall, this is a really, really clever game. Um, the balance of things is right. I thought the screen and difficulties pitched right, right down to the first level, having that sort of softer in and then gradually increasing the difficulty. Whatever way you look at this, it's an excellent game. Professional, polished, pitch right for difficulty, and above all, really interesting and good fun. An excellent C64 game showing off once again that the C64, even in 1989, and even with the Amiga breathing down its neck constantly, and everyone's sneering now because it's the C64 and we've got Amigas and look at the graphics on that. <laughs> even though that's happening, and it was happening a lot at this time, this proves categorically that in the right hands, the C64 remains capable of delivering an excellent game and this is one of them and i thought it was fab what about you uh yeah yeah pretty much the same i mean you can't really knock it i mean it's the team that's kind of you know armor light hunter's moon and last ninja three these yeah, people know what they're doing those games yeah this is a you know this is a this is a team that understands and knows how to get the best out of the c64 they just yes we saw that with armor light we saw it with hunter's moon and we we'll see it again with this um, i mean obviously the, the main design is martin walker and he did, did the whole diary of it didn't he in zap so oh of course it, he did yeah it was, a, it was a long old diary it was about a year and a half or something going on for ages wow but you know the Proofs in the pudding. It's a it's a really clever and it's really well designed, and you can just see that in every aspect of it. Yeah, the, I mean the story's a bit ho hum. It is what it is. It's a, you know another city that shut down and it's ancient, and we're going to send something in and get it. So, okay, that's fine. But it sets up a nice premise for this and why why you're doing it. That's fine. The problem, is that, well, not the problem, sort of thing. The good thing is the moment to moment gameplay is is always like you said. It's always asking you to think about your next move and where to go next. And that's a really interesting thing because, as you said, it's not a constant thing. It's a stop. It's a stop start game. And that's sort of figured in the way you move in grid style. So you're like, right, do I go there? Do I do I do I capture that thing? And 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 it's it works because it works on that grid. It has a really clever thing in like what is it? If you're two squares away from a trap, they'll open up. But if they don't open up, you know it's a yeah. it's a boon. It's a benefit. It's a power up, or it's a trap, or it's a sort of a, a yeah. lock to a door, or it's energy. And that's really clever. So you know, like if you're getting close to something, like and you get to within two of it and it hasn't opened, you're like, oh, cool, that's something I can use. That's mm-hmm. good. That's for me. That's really clever as well. That's a really nice in-game affordance to the player where they're sort of saying, it's not something they have to teach you. You just kind of get used to it. It's like, all right, two, they open up, one, that's good. And it all works within the sort of the world itself. So excellent stuff. The controls, like you said, designed, they're reminiscent of Paradroid, but this is a, it's a slower, more considered version of Paradroid, isn't it? It's not a, Paradroid can be a bit frenetic at times. This, if it's gone frenetic, you've got horribly wrong. And, you know, it's, and and like you said, it's good to see a game that can be mentioned in the same breath as that, but also has its own identity and core game loop, which is good to see. I, I thought this was excellent. I really did. And the ice into all this are the excellent visuals for each level. It's got a really good look to it. You know, the, the it's like it's it's bass relief, but it's really well shaded. It's mm. really unusual. The floor designs are good. All these games we've seen with these horrible sort of futuristic city designs on the top and things like that. And this just kind of nails it and goes, right, look, this is how you do it. Like, just stop it. Trying to do this rubbish. It's a really good look. Got a great soundtrack. I really like the title screen music. Nice loading screen and everything like that. The, the sound effects throughout it, the sort of pumping under the sort of score bass that just sort of throbs away in the background, like you said, like Paradroid, but works as well. 
And yeah, like we saw with Project Firestart last month, it just oozes design choices. You can see when people care about the things in the game, you know, and we've, you can read his diary and you can yeah. see the choices and you can see the care he's taken. Um, and this works here. That's why this just kind of works. It's, it, it's a game that's been thought about. Every, uh, every moment of it, every sort of option, every yep. um, facet of it has been considered in whether it works within the, the whole and not just like throw millions of enemies at the player. No, the enemies are in the traps. You know where they are and you can learn it. And yeah, great. I thought this should have got a higher score than 91%, if I'm perfectly honest. Yeah. I think 91's about good, but it could have gone, it could have gone a bit higher. I'm not sure if it's quite gold medalish, but it's pushing it, I think, because I think it's a really, really clever, clever, well-designed game. And I'm always a, a fan of games where mm. I can see the, the design behind it rather than just it, a few things thrown together and knocked out. Great game, this. Really good. I love that visual style. I tried to, um, I remember playing this. This is one of the few games, again, single load games. I think you got this off uh, Brown Source um, back in the day. And I think I remember trying to do, I'll tell you how hard these are because I tried to do something similar in the Shoot'em Up Construction Kit because obviously Shoot'em Up Construction Kit, you can do yeah. a push scroll, can't you? And I tried mm-hmm. to draw visuals like this and I couldn't get them anywhere close. <laughs> so, you know. There's an actual show how good these ones are. Yeah, yeah, mine didn't look anywhere near this good. They were like the Aldi version. Oh, dear. The Taldi. <laughs> but there you go. But no, a great game. Citadel, really good game. Really, really good. And a nice start to the month. Yeah, there we go. Yes. That's Citadel. Yes, it is. We like it. We do like that. There we go. Let's uh, move on to our next one. And hopefully, as ever, there are fewer games, so surely the quality must be high. Next up is another £9.99 game, and it is American Club Sports, according to the magazine. So when is a sport not a sport? When it's American Club Sports. That's when. Um, or to give it its more usual name, which Yay. seems to be listed everywhere else. <laughs> Clubhouse Sports. So got the word sports in there. Yeah. I'm not quite sure about the word sports. We'll see. This is from those people mm. over at Mindscape. I remember Mindscape. We have another set of games to play through in this multi-mini game we offering. Do. I suppose is the best way to sort of describe this. It was designed by Ed Ringler, coding and visuals by Simon Finch, Ed Ringler, Ed Ringler Senior, John Wilson, and Mike Ferrando, and music by John A. Fitzpatrick. If those names, Graham, sound familiar to you and to regular listeners, that's because mm. these are the people behind indoor sports, superstar soccer, superstar ping pong, and superstar mm. ice hockey, and others. Yes. And you'll see and you'll and you'll see those elements as you play this game oh yeah yeah absolutely after a couple of introductory credit screens which cannot be skipped um we get a rather bare option screen to enter the names up to four people those four people can play these games and choose which games you want to play remember the word sports was in this remember we get six (laughs) types of things on offer these games sorry these sports are foosball that's table football to you and i billiards crazy pool ski ball pinball and finally, the shooting gallery. Which one of those is a sport? None of them. Yeah, none. None of them is a sport. None of them. Um, each one is a separate load, and each one has a whole raft of options to tailor the experience in the way that all the other Mindscape games have done as well. So I'm going to go through these one by one. There's, there's no story, obviously. It's just, and it's not a, it's not an epics-like game. It's not a multi-event thing. Well, it kind of is. You kind of have a scoreboard at the start for like, under each game, but. It doesn't really do any kind of like play them all no. together and do a big thing. You just no. pick a game and play it. So we'll start with the shooting gallery, the most obvious one. You can play this, again, loads of options. You can play solo against the computer or two players. You can change the skill of the computer marksman. You can affect the design of the gun from its speed, its weight, and its recoil, and then pick whether to play to a time limit or a number of shots. You can also turn the music off or on, and then you can start the game. My advice here is to turn the weight down to nothing, the speed down slightly, and the recoil off, because the... Basically, if you have to wait on, then your target's always your, your target reticule is falling down. 
So starting presents us with a fairground-style shooting gallery uh, with ducks and fish and rabbits and targets and that kind of thing, moving from left to right or right to left. Um, some are just appearing, so targets might appear, things might pop up. It's one of those where, you know, like like duck shoot, you know, you're in a gallery, you're moving across there around. The goal is to simply line up your shots and shoot as much as you can, either within the time limit or, you know, allowing for the number of shots you have. Um, if you're playing against two players or against the computer, you only actually have a few seconds to take your shot before it goes ah, and uh, moves on to the next player. So you got to hurry. you got to line up and take your shot. There's no, there's no dawdling here. You score points for hitting targets, and the one with the most points at the end wins, I guess. There you go. It's very simple. You just hit stuff. Um, I'll come with the graphics and stuff. We'll mention all the sort of visuals and things later on. Uh, next up is Ski Ball. Now, this is everyone will know this, but I did, did, did you know this was called Ski Ball? Have you know, did you know it was called Ski Ball? I didn't know it. I don't know it as Ski Ball, was. but I don't know. I don't know what I thought I, I it was I don't know. It's like r- roll the ball into the hole in the hoops, <laughs> which isn't very catchy. Yeah, I think I've probably seen it in the US, but I... Yeah, I've seen it in no. some arcades down... They used to have it in some arcades down here, similar sort of stuff. But So again, you, you can play Ski Ball solo against the computer or two players. You can up the level of difficulty from one to five. You can change the skill of the computer. And then you can choose to play against the clock or with various against the clock with various time limits or a fixed number of balls. So if you don't know what ski ball is, you will as soon as it starts. So I'll just describe it. Essentially what this is, is where you roll a ball down a slope and it jumps off the end and there's a load of concentric rings and which one ever ring lands in, there's a hole in that. And the closer you get to the middle, then the more points you get. And that's it. Okay, so that's it. So it's one of those games where it's just a roll the ball, get it in, get it in the hole. So yeah, you can put, and if you play this in multiplayer, you play at the same time. So we see this from behind. So we're looking down on the ski ball thing and you sort of roll it into the screen and it sort of jumps up at the bottom and lumps goes into one of the rings and so once again you control a wavering cross here and you just have to aim this as close to the center as you can and press fire in timed mode you press fire to roll the ball and then it will flick into the air and land where your crosshair was but in the i think in the other version there's time mode and then there's a limited number of balls as soon as it gets to the middle it will fling off so you've only got a small amount of time to actually get your crosshair into the middle or wherever it will go the closer you get this to the smallest circle in the middle and the ball lands in it, the higher the score. That's it, really. It's not easy to describe, but you probably know it. You'll probably seen it in fairgrounds. You've probably seen it down the arcades. But after a couple of games, as soon as you see it, it's obvious. You'll know what you're doing. Um, and whoever gets the most points wins. Okay. Next up is pinball. Pinball. So we all know what pinball is. And this is a single table of pinball. Again, there are options where you can alter the angle of the table, which is weird. You can play one or two players, the number of balls, whether the tilt sensor is on or off. So you've got some options there. Press start and we have a view of a pinball table as if we are standing in front of it. So we're looking down on this pinball table. You press fire to pull back the plunger, let go to fire it. Once the ball is in play, the right controls the right flipper and fire controls the left. I found this quite unintuitive at first, but then I figured, oh, I guess this is so you can flip them up both at once. As if left did the left flipper and right did the right, you would be able to do them both, would you? So, But I suppose you could always have had left to do left, right yeah, to do right. Yeah, it makes sense. Left to do left, right to do right, and up to do both at the same time would have been another way to do it. But, you know, it is what it is. Mm. So that's, the, I guess that is. If you play pinball, it's it's pinball. It's one of those. It's a bit of an emptyish table, but you bounce the ball around, try to hit the few targets on screen. One with the best score at the end wins. There you go. It's pinball. The physics are okay. It's not too bad. It bounces about. It is what it is. Next up is foosball. Foosball. Options galore here, where you can play against the computer or two players, change the ball speed, the level of the computer, whether to switch sides, the length of the game, and the number of games per playoff. 
then you can start the game. This is similar view to pinball, as if you're stood behind the table looking down on it from your side. You each control three rows of table footballers. There's two attackers, three defenders, and one goalkeeper. And as the ball moves around, you control your control switches to the row of players nearest the ball. So you move them left and right, and fire makes them rotate. So they're, they're always up. It's sort of in a full sort of perpendicular to the table. If you press fire, it makes them rotate halfway so they stand up straight. And then if you move up or down, it flicks them fully to try and hit the ball. So that's how this works. It's pretty simple, but you know, it's table football. At the end of the game, the winner is the one with the most goals. That's it. It's table football. There's not much else you can do. You it can is. choose to swap sides, <laughs> but between things, is, it, it is what it is. The penultimate game is billiards. Again, loads of options here where you can play solo against computer or two players, choose who starts. The type of game from English billiards to Karom billiards. I have no idea what Karom billiards is. The friction of the table, the win condition, the color of the cloth for the table, the level of the computer, and the number of frames to win. Once started, we get a 3D view of the snook table. This is the same angle as the pinball and the uh, foosball games. You start by placing the cue ball on the D. You then aim with a line that sort of uh, drags out from your the cue ball. You rotate it around. So you rotate it around. It's pointing out, and that's where you aim. You press fire to aim it. It'll then flick. You'll get down at the bottom. There's a picture of your cue ball. You then move across over that to choose where if you're going to put spin on it. You press fire, then you get a bar where you move up and down to check your speed, and you press fire again, and it takes the shot. Dead simple. Um, and then player two takes their turn, and you're oh, that's it. Billiards. I don't really understand billiards though. If I'm perfectly honest, I don't get it. It seems like an it seems like a weird no, weird game. No, I agree. You get points for hitting stuff and potting balls and going in off things and doing things and do. I don't know. I don't really understand it. Anyway, finally we got crazy pool. Crazy pool. <laughs> you crazy pool. You crazy pool. <laughs> <laughs> And getting on no, and getting on no pool table. Here you can play one or two players, change the color of the balls, set the friction of the table, the number of frames per match, and then off you go. What makes this crazy? Well, you have two holes on the table, no pockets, and there are a number of pins, and you must get the reds that are on the tables into the holes. Truly, this is madness. Anyway, you also have a construction set on this one as well, which allows you to redesign the table to your own liking. The view here, by the way, is the same top down from the end we got in billiards. So it's that. Yeah. And that's it. Every time you finish, it asks you if you want to play again. Or uh, In a weird thing as well, you have to press F1 and F3 to go back to the main menu, or F5 and F7 to go back to the game menu, to the in-game menu. I don't know why it's just not F1 or F5. I don't, I don't know. I think it's a, it's a weird weird combo you have to press. Odd. You have to really mean it. I think that's what it is. <laughs> you, you know, you're going to hit one of them by accident. So that's it, really. I guess there's a lot to play around with here, but none of it is in any way captivating or enthralling. It's really very dry and sterile this mm. the visuals and sound are exactly what we've come to expect from these games um and they don't really seem to progress at all remember that uh the superstar ping pong where it was just a table tennis in floating in the middle of nowhere wasn't it i think it yeah the two bats it, that 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 could have been in this yeah because yeah. it, it's that same graphical style from that same view with that same kind of look and everything is the same the same type of sort of front end option screen it's one of those it looks like something we would expect in 1985, 1986, or when Superstar Ping Pong came out, except <laughs> just six yeah. of them. There's nothing inherently wrong with any of the games. They all work. And in multiplayer, I guess there may be some fun to be had, but nothing stands out or grabs you. It's all really dry. The, uh, the only game to have any kind of setting for the game is Billiards, um, which got a couple of walls going up the sides. But every other game seems to exist 
and it's some grey or black void. It's really weird. There's no, there's no way. Like if you think about games like 180 or you know, well, Konami's you know table tennis game, the ping pong one we played, whatever that was called. They they set. There's a crowd. There's someone looking. The tennis games. There's a, there's a, it's set in a locale. This is supposed to be in a clubhouse. They could have done something with this, made it feel like you're playing in an actual clubhouse or arcade or something to provide some atmosphere. They could have had some background stuff going on. They could have had, you know, some people sat or look, at, you know, view out of a window of, a, you know, it could be, you know, the pinball tables up against the wall and there's a window with a view outside. Something to make this feel like you're in a clubhouse rather than just six games floating in, you know, some grey nothing. There's none of that. And it's a shame. So what you're left with are competent, I guess, but ultimately sterile and dull representations of things you kind of do at a fair or places like that that rely, and, and those kind of things, they rely on, especially the shooting gallery. The shooting gallery is the only one with a bit of music as well, isn't it? And it's not very good. It's just a bit, it's like, na, 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 na. it's something similar to that. I don't yeah, think yeah, it might yeah. even be that. Ain't good. Um, but it's just boring. And it's like, you just needed someone. Like, like we saw in that circus attractions, you know, the games weren't brilliant, but they had yeah. the sense of place. This needed a sense of place. It's called Clubhouse Games. You can't call it that, and then not set it in a clubhouse. So uh, this is true. It's just a bit dull. If you like those, you know, their games. Like I said, they're always competent. Their games, but they just lack. They lack atmosphere. They lack, you know, a sense of like being there. And I think that's the problem with these. They're just, I don't know. They're just a bit boring. And I think it also needed maybe a hook, like like a, a, a you know, a tournament play them all with your friends and go through them and do a thing ultimately there's just no real point to these so i just found it all a bit dull after a while what about you yeah i mean goodness as soon as i heard that music i had flashbacks Mm -hmm. at the beginning then i saw his name ed ringler (laughs) i was like oh no i knew it was going to be an option heavy experience as soon as i saw that (laughs) so many options i thought in my mind i was thinking all those superstar games came flooding back to me i was like oh my god what kind of bat would you like would you like the bat to be green or red would you like the bat to be six centimeters or five centimeters would you like your game to last two minutes five minutes ten minutes would you like a break would you like to think about these options it's like being quizzed by the bank when you're trying to get access to your account you forgot your password what's the name of your first dog What's that? It's like I don't know the answer to the questions. It's like an inquisition. I just want to play foosball. So why? Yep. Is, why do we have to answer all those questions? Just click go. Anyway, I suppose you can if you really want to. Silly games, aren't the crazy pool? I did make me laugh. You crazy pool? Just make me laugh. Like what? <laughs> crazy pool. Why crazy is it called pool. foosball? What's a foos? I think that's the American name for it. All right. Okay. Well, I don't know. Sports? No. These these are the kinds of things you get in these kind of US variations of arcades. Yeah, um, exactly. And in those, where well, you win loads of those tickets and then you go and claim your prize and you realise that you've got a million tickets and it gets you a you know, stuffed toy squirrel or a, or a yep. tin of cheese or something. <laughs> I actually went to one of these in Salt Lake City and I acquired so many tickets. It was un- incredible and it, it made me, uh, it gave me the ability to have a, a bottle opener, which then got <laughs> confiscated when I was going through customs. So that was all fun. All that did effort they, for nothing. Should have kept the tickets. I should have, yeah, should have. Well, it's just ridiculous how many you get. You know, you, you scored two. Well, a million tickets for you. I'm like, well, surely this, think of the trees here. Anyway. <laughs> what do I get for this? A bottle opener. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? Honestly, I was like, wow, I was thinking I'd be quizzing. And then when I looked at some of the prizes, because they've got consoles and things like that, you'd have to be in there for some time to get the tickets and you'd <laughs> yeah. need a wheelbarrow. Anyway, the game varies in quality, I guess, from pretty dull and ugly to reasonably dull and dreary. Yeah. Um, <laughs> as usual, when each game starts, like I said, so many options. It's like, oh, God's sake. How are there this many options for foosball? How? Anyway, maybe it's fun for two players, four players. I don't know. I guess they control okay. There isn't a lot of passion in it, though, is there? Any no. of this? Nope. And it just feels like it was a load of stuff that was put together over a long period 
that somebody forgot about them. I was like, oh, hang on a minute. Let's just whack them all into some multi-game thing because somebody will pay a tenner for that. Mm-hmm. Not me, though. Not for me, this. Nah, I didn't like any of the games at all. And the pinball, it's crap. It is yeah. crap. It's not great. So, it? no, it's crap. It's not great. It's crap ball. It's crap ball. Ski crap, <laughs> shoot crap, billy crap, fuss crap, and crazy, crazy cruel crap. It's all, they're not it's bad. Not, they're, no, not they're, they're not very good. They're not bad. They're not. The thing is, they're, 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 they're like that ping pong ball. They're okay. They're, they're fine, but they're just dull and boring. Yeah. When I say crap, I don't mean that they're not like rubbishly put together. They're just crap as in they're just a bit crappy games. The actual games aren't great. I mean, yeah. not for it me needed, anyway. It needed some, some, it needed to be something crazy. It needed fun. It needed a bit of atmosphere around it to make you want to play them. It could have had a thing where you got tickets and then you could have a collection of, of uh, things to collect. My advice would be save the £10 and go and pay the entry fee to one of the halls where they have all these things and go and play them for fun, for yeah, real. Exactly. Because that's the better experience. Foosball is not a game I'm great at, but playing it for real, it's like air hockey. Playing air hockey against somebody <laughs> at an air hockey table is fun in the in the right environment. Yeah, playing a C sixty four version of air air hockey isn't fun at all, and I think that's the problem. As you said, actually, these just aren't any fun, and not compared to the real thing. Go and do the real thing. You might win a prize. You might win a, a key ring or a bottle opener or something, but you might get it confiscated as well. They so. just don't try and get it through U.S. customs. No, it had a blade in it. That was I didn't realize. It had, a, had a, like oh. a little knife in it. Right, okay. So, I was say you could have well, so it. it was like a wine opener. So, well, no, no, because then I'd have had a hidden blade. <laughs> That's the last thing you want to be taking through U.S. Customs on a, on an aeroplane. Depends where, like, where you hid it. <laughs> so, yeah, well, you know, I'm not hiding that uncomfortable hunk of metal up my ass, is he? So it ain't happening. So no, no, it's no good. No, if you shoe. like these kind of things, go and do them for real. Just don't hide knives on aeroplanes at all. They see them with the X-ray machine, and more importantly than that. You know, go and play the actual games in a real environment. Don't bother with this if you really want to play foosball. Go and play it for real. Yeah, exactly. There you go. So there you go. That was uh, American Club Sports or Clubhouse Sports or whatever it is. It's not in a clubhouse. No, it's not. That's the main thing. All right, let's move on. We've still got one game because we have six this episode, sort of thing, by the way. So I didn't say that, but we have six. Uh, We've still got one game this half, so let's get on to that. And Graham, from the depths of history, once again, we have another budget title, and this is Saboteur 2. Yes, The Avenging Angel. Oh, is it? Uh, this is published by Durell. Durell. It was, it was yeah, originally. You will bow down before me, Durell. That's what Superman says, isn't it? Um, actually, no, it's <laughs> Rosod says that. For releasing bloody Turbo Esprit, <laughs> you will bow down <laughs> yeah. to everyone. Yeah, get put in the Phantom Zone. Creative, this was called Clive Townsend. He created the first one, so it makes sense that he would create this one. The musician's Rob Hubbard for the loading music only. Yeah. So in this game, you are the sister of the very fatally wounded ninja from Saboteur 1. Did you know he was very fatally wounded? <laughs> now, very, very fatally wounded is fatally wounded, isn't it? Just, <laughs> just so we can be clear about that. He's not quite dead. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's getting better. I will avenge you, fatally wounded brother. <laughs> How fatally wounded were you exactly? Well, very. Turns out very, very fatally. <laughs> on a scale of on a scale of not much to very. <laughs> Could you say how fatally wounded you were? No, I'm dead. <laughs> yeah, I'm dead. It turned out it was really fatal. Really, very, very fatal. Anyway, so he was very fatally wounded. So you are the sister. You must continue the mission by finding the pieces of punch tape, which are you punch tape. It's only his age, isn't it? <laughs> Can you imagine being given that mission? Right, break into the compound and steal the punch tape. Punch do, tape. do you mean DVDs or 
No right, punch memory tape. sticks. No punch tape. We've well, got some. We've really? got some COBOL needs programming. <laughs> <laughs> this Pascal ain't going to write itself. But what if the punch tape gets wet? Anyway, uh, anyway, it's used to control. And this is the worrying part, Adrian, which is used to control the missile's flight path. What missile? The missile. Well, apparently, there's a missile in the first game. You see, redirect it before blast off. Then escape by motorbike down the one and only exit tunnel. Why be so directive about how you escape? Because there's only one out, one way out. I know, but it just seems like no. All right, all right, maybe the site <laughs> is guarded at night by massive android guards with flame throwers. Okay, I get that. Vampire bats. <laughs> they have. They're on every henchman's wish list. <laughs> and deadly black pumas. Yeah, again, they're every Christmas. Every Christmas, they ask for more. We've run out of uh, vampire bats. I mean, it's niche, isn't it? I mean, if 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 to be fair, if if the massive android guards fail you at any point, have a backup plan. Make sure it's vampire bats and pumas, because as we all know, those things are the most reliable. Vampire bats aren't deadly. Anyway, well, I suppose they're not listed as deadly, though. They're listed as um, the, vamp- the the black pumas are the deadly ones. The other ones are just very, very, very nearly deadly, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, they're just very fatally wound, yeah. <laughs> this game's stupid, isn't it? So, oh, I don't know. Anyway, it is what it is. Oh, right, so full disclosure. Okay, I never liked Saboteur, the game. Sorry, Spectrum owners. No I didn't. one did. It was the one Spectrum game that all the specy owners lorded over the C64 owners like me back in the day, and I don't forgive easy. I mean, <laughs> and as much as I hated to admit it at the time, they kind of had a point. <laughs> and you know, it, yes, it was better. All right, I'll admit it now. I would never admit it at the time. <laughs> You've never forgiven those Spectrum owners for the death of your son, have you? <laughs> no, I haven't, bloody, bloody Klingons. Anyway, so it was better on the Spectrum. Fine, all right, without a doubt. Great, but you know what? So what? So what? So, had, so what? We had Green Beret. It was be- yeah, exactly. It was one game out of a, out over well over a thousand. Okay. And it should have ticked a lot of my boxes, actually, really, in in retrospect. Ninjas, espionage, sneaking around buildings and such. Like many stealth games that came way later, this has a lot of tropes that kind of make up for that kind of good adventure action type experience, really, on paper. I just never got into it. I think I can actually blame, if I'm looking to something for blame, Maybe Impossible Mission, really, which, though different on many levels, was more of the kind of thing I wanted from a wander around the buildings game. Yeah, yeah. Just saying. You know, add speech, better graphics, better sound, better premise, better everything, colour and yeah, sounds better. and everything. It's better in every possible way. <laughs> was, was, was very better. Was very, very better, yeah, nearly. Very, you know? very better. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was very, very, very fatally better. Yeah. <laughs> so. So this is the official sequel. A bit late to the party. All right. No party. <laughs> Ninja party, everyone. Woo. Okay, so that came out in 1987 on the Spectrum. Um, yeah, well, this is the budget re-release again. I think that the Encore have just dug up the dug up the soul and the, the you know the decaying body of Durell <laughs> and found all these games on it. They found them in the Phantom Zone, I guess, or something. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. someone shattered the mirror. <laughs> this mirror floats off with Saboteur 2, Turbo Esprit. You will come here no more! The man you will be bow down safe. before me, Durell. <laughs> anyway, because uh, of course Jarrell is uh, is it must be from Superman, isn't it? Superman's dad, isn't it? Anyway, so there's some important things to note, really. So this is all right. I'll give it this. It's one of the first games with a female protagonist. All right, okay. As you play Nina the Ninja, she's called Nina, Nina the Ninja, sister of Ninja the Ninja. That's, <laughs> That's just Nina with the J. <laughs> Nina and Ninja. I mean, talk about niche, you know, job. Framing your child, where, goodness. Where, where is that Nina? <laughs> <laughs> I can't see her anymore. So Nina's come along to avenge Ninja. 
give him a name. What was his name? I don't know. Anyway, Bob. No, no, Bob and Bob and Nina. So anyway, that's the apparently the saboteur from the nineteen eighty five game was just called Ninja. I didn't really think he was a ninja. I thought he was just a saboteur. But what do I know? Anyway, here you sit. You are set to enact revenge for the death of your brother and continue his mission to find the pieces of the punch tape. Like I said, to alter the course of the nuclear ballistic missile hidden inside the dictator's high security compound. After that, escape. All right, no pressure then. Um, I don't like the idea of nuclear ballistic missiles being controlled by punch tape. But what do I know? <laughs> The enemy's command centre and office complex is, is built on top of a mountain filled with tunnels and caverns, aren't they always? Perfect place to launch a missile from is inside a mountain. An armory building is on top is on the top left of the mountain. A missile silo is on the top. Is it a mountain? I thought it was on a build. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I don't matter. Missile silo is on the top right, while the central top area is still being developed. I love that. I love that. Still under development, that bit. All right. Okay. <laughs> We've got to get rid of that rock only, concrete. There's only... Like you rightly said earlier, there's only one way out of the mountain, which is the long entrance tunnel to the bottom left and using the waiting motorbike. You've got quite a lot to do, so you better bloody get on with it, haven't you? Funny enough, I never really knew what the purpose was of the first game, strangely enough. So this was quite a revelation. I didn't. I, I played it that little attention to playing that game. I didn't realise it had a nuclear threat in it. So there yeah, you go. Just there shows you, go. you, doesn't it? I don't remember. I remember remember my friend Richard and Sam going on and on and on about Sabatella. Drive me mad with it. Anyway, so after... A, uh, somewhat dubious and apparently modelled on some kind of erotic literature loading screen, yeah. <laughs> which depicts our titular heroine wielding some kind of love beads, we head to the title screen. Here you can select from a range of missions. <laughs> now, it has to be said, they also read like the chapters of some kind of self-help book by Paul McKenna or Tony Robbins. So you've got strength of mind and body, direction <laughs> yeah. of energy, harmony within the universe, healing of self and others, premonition of danger, knowing the thoughts of others, mastery of time and space, control of nature's elements, and enlightenment. It, that literally is, isn't it? That is, yeah, that, they certainly. are book titles. Yeah, or the chapters of a CD or something. Yeah, yeah. you can just imagine you pr- press the p- chapter and direction of energy. Did you know that you've got energy and that energy can be directed? <laughs> Skip to chapter three. There's probably more to it than that. I'm just, you know, I'm just summarising that for you. It's an, it's an album by Enigma. <laughs> Yeah, that's actually very accurate, yeah. All they are is essentially different variations of the game, different puzzles, guards, just different variations of the same thing. Which is actually, I'll give it this, that's actually all right, because that reminded me of GoldenEye a little bit with the difficulty levels a little bit. Yeah, 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 if you want to play more of this in different ways. I don't, I'm Um, just saying. No, 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 nobody does. Um, Once you've selected a mission, it begins. You'll start by floating around on a hang glider and then dropping into the building, which made me laugh out loud. The first thing that will instantly hit you is that how well the spectrum look and feel has been truly captured to give this that genuine, Z80 look and feel on a 6510. Your sprite is a ninja silhouette with 700, that's right, 700 screens of ladders, bricks, oddly coloured walls, platforms, lifts, and all the same garish Harry chicanery that was festooned through the first saboteur games all over again. A lot of rooms. It is a lot of rooms. You control your ninja spook with a joystick performing all kinds of acrobatic feats, kicks, punches, somersaults, flying kicks, endless somersaults. I guess you call loop de loop somersaults that go <laughs> yeah, on for way, put- way longer than they should. <laughs> yeah. It's like they looked at Impossible Mission and went, you do one somersault. We do loads. You do 20. <laughs> Could you imagine if you were being attacked by a ninja that went, hey, just like so flew towards you with mad somersaults. You'd be like, wow, that is impressive though. Ah, Especially especially if they do it like in a straight line. So there's no, yeah, I don't know how they manage to sort of defeat gravity. Gravity does not affect the ninja. <laughs> <laughs> apparently anyway so yes you do all that Nina the ninja is well versed in fighting running tiptoe through the building though I noticed their animation is kind of digga, 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 digga. it needs that sound effect honestly yeah, add yeah. that to it in your mind it's kind of that and you'll also need those skills uh, because there are massive robot silhouette guards out to smash you as well as those panthers and vampire bats why vampire bats you ask who cares who cares 
The main four-fifths of the game window is given over to the high-res play area, with the bottom fifth showing your current object you are holding, your current pay in dollars, random, your energy level, your current timer, and a window that will show objects that are near you. <laughs> Oddly, the whole... <laughs> it's just nearby. Oddly, the whole window is inside some kind of brown wooden frame. So I'm not sure why that is, but it's just what it is. It is what it is. Legacy Spectrum. Mm-hmm. And so you drop neither you drop neither the ninja into the action and set about sneaking around the 700 screens, periodically fighting robots or panthers or bats and looking for stuff. You'll find extra items like shuriken stars and spanners and things, and you can use these to throw at your enemies or indeed use in certain locations as you sneak around looking for the elusive punch tape and, of course, the ultimately the exit. I'm not 100% sure how this is avenging anybody, maybe just finishing off what your ninja brother did. I don't know. The aim of the game here is stealth, sneaking and fighting. There are very limited spot effects, uh, and I guess, I suppose it adds to the atmosphere, maybe, I don't know, lots of silence. Apparently, loading screen image has a sneaky map in the background. The building with all the lights on, I'm guessing, in the loading screen won't help you with this. No, 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 it won't help you. So this is clearly a Spectrum game at its heart. The garish Harris simple sprites, absence of sound, Spectrum. As a game design, these kind of things appeal to specific kinds of gamers, and back in 1987, this was probably a worthy sequel. Indeed, there are things to like in terms of the scope and ideas here, sneaking around compounds, looking for stuff, aiming to be quiet and all ninja-like. Never a bad thing for games, I guess, back in 1985 and 87. But this kind of thing nowadays, well, maybe back then it was new and, re- new and relatively fresh. Not so much now. It's got a bit of a whiff of moldy cheese about it. By 1989, though, the old sneak and seek games had done the rounds. Sneak, avoid, drop, spin wildly and somersaults all over the place. There isn't much to offer the eager C64 gamer here. That is either new or very exciting, but I guess you can play it being ninjas, and maybe that's just about okay. The graphics look like the Spectrum, and the flickery sprite animations and general movement are not becoming of a computer with a VIC-2 chip capable of more. The audio is AWOL here for a computer that has a built-in sound chip also. Maybe the mappers will like it. Maybe the ninja completists will feel they want to continue their journey from the first game. I don't know. On the C64, you have impossible mission, and that's better in every possible way it could be. Better combat, better sounds, better concept, better graphics, speech. It's just better in every possible way. If you're going to play a game where you're exploring tower blocks avoiding robots on the C64, you wouldn't play this. So it's not for me, this. It's a lifeless spectrum conversion late to the ninja party and tied before it even begins. No real life or enjoyment to be had, but... Maybe the hardcore ninja game fans will be into it. I'm not one of those, so count me out. What did you think? <laughs> it's just more saboteur. If that's your thing, yes. you got to dig this, because it's more saboteur. Just yep, more. It is more. It's more. Yeah, it's good to see a female protagonist use of different levels to give you different objectives, even if they sound like an Enigma album. But whatever. It suffers from the same issues that saboteur <laughs> had for me, and, and by the sounds of it, it's for you. It's it's empty. It's empty and directionless. You just run around and fall off stuff. I was falling down screens forever at one point. I fell yeah, off something. Yeah, I just fell. It's like, wow. Oh, I've fallen. <laughs> and then I fell. And I've fallen some more. When I got to the bottom, I expected to be very fate, very fatally wounded. I didn't. I just carried on running. <laughs> no, it's power ninjas. Yeah. Well, I suppose they can you know defeat gravity with those uh, somersaults. It's just direction. I just feel this is just direct... Give me somewhere to go that feels like I've got a direction. Otherwise, I'm just running around. I just ran about trying to find things. I pick something up, I drop something. I pick something up, I drop something. Why is it you're near stuff? Why do I need to be told that I'm near something? Mm. I can see it. Mm. I don't get it. There's never any sense of player guidance. It would have been helpful because it's 700 screens. It's just more saboteur, and I never like that. And the Spectrum can just have it. Just take it back. Yeah, I don't, you don't it. want it. it. Just don't make me play your games. 
don't have a C64 because I want to play Spectrum games. So no, I don't like this. And the, the title screen is weird. It's just weird. I'm looking, it is at, it really right, weird. I'm looking at it right now and she's literally holding a, a, a you know, a dong of something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm sensing that white outlines was a bad move for the artist. I'm just saying, you know, well, if, when he drew those boobs on that, he was like, yeah, he's just like, rethink that. <laughs> yeah. Why, why? Yeah. And also as well, the cover, like she's on the bike with a, with a zip undone. Yeah, like, I know. It's, it's just yeah. dubious and it's all dubious nonsense. But it's, yes. you know, it's like, oh, we've got a woman look, but yeah, here's her boobs and ass and um, yeah. boobs. Boobs. Like, oh, boobage. Don't yeah. like it. I don't, I, it's just not, it's not a very good game. I never liked the Saboteur games, no matter what Spectrum owners would have professed at the time. I think they mm. were just desperate for something. And as you rightly said, 1984, we had the Impossible Mission. And as much as I'm not a massive fan of Impossible Mission, it craps on this from a great height. It does. There we go. Sorry, Clive. I'm sure you're a nice guy, but I don't like the game. Nope. There we go. That's it. That's our first three games for this uh, episode. That's our first half done. We're going to take a quick break, and then we were going to come back, and we're going to look at some music from August 1989. So please do hold your horses and stick around. And we are back. Let's look at some music for August 1989 in the UK. Number one singles. Uh, well, actually, it's just number one single because all bloody month was Swing the Mood by Jive Bunny and the Master Mixers. Yeah. Do you know, I remember it, just, it wouldn't go away, would it? No. I think, I think it was because it's going to be in the chart for even longer, I think, because I think it's one of the, it's one of those in the top three or four uh, longest sitters at the number one because I, I think it was only beaten by a couple of other songs I think obviously Robin Hood <sighs> song comes a bit later but I think it's up there so good lord a pox a pox on this Graham a pox I agree I don't like it don't no like nobody it. does we spoke about it last time we're not talking about it anymore number one albums and again number one album cuts both ways Gloria Estefan all bloody yeah. month yeah, a song about swords as we said last time yeah <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Double poxing. What were we thinking? The British public yeah. have a lot to answer for for the month of August yeah, 1989. What were we thinking? Does it mean that there was just so little to buy that people were just buying anything? Just Well, God, just buying these. Wow. I mean, I didn't realise Gloria Estefan even had that kind of traction. Goodness. No, I didn't. I was never did. a Gloria Estefan. Let's move on to singles. Um, <laughs> 6th of August, number 24 is Losing My Mind by Liza Minnelli. Horrible song. And eventually she did, so that's kind of, you know, it's more, more really a future prediction. Yeah, I guess so. But um, she, went bit, she went a bit loopy, didn't she? She did a little bit. Number 25 is Blame It on the Boogie by Big Fun. Oof. No. <laughs> Your favourite. No. <laughs> no. It was uh, Stock Aiken and Walkman, now uh, in full effect. They're just, I, when I watched the video for this, there, there's some. It's another crap, you know, crappy plastic boy band. They must have just like poured them into the brass mold, and they fell out like as sort of living humanoids. <laughs> yeah. Why are they all singing in weird falsetto? I don't know. Don't. It's know. just. It's a horrible. I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, blame it on the boogie is a good song, 
Not this one, though. Never listen to this one. Go and listen to the Jackson's version. It's way better. Yeah. Horrible thing. Horrible. Absolutely. What is that crap step dancing they do right at the very beginning as well? And I the, don't even want to think about it. <laughs> and and, and the, the really, really terrible chroma key. Yeah, not Madness. the only bad chroma. Bad chroma key is a real late 80s problem, isn't it? Yeah. So, would you please give generously? <laughs> <laughs> Do you suffer from bad chroma key? They did. <laughs> Does it clearly look like you're not in the scene you're supposed to be? Well, that picture that I found of the three the three guys in the band at the time that's that's not that's not lit but badly. They emit that kind of orange light <laughs> themselves. They're just that's what they do. <laughs> they inspired all Michael Bay films. <laughs> and then uh, it, apparently one of them had a bit of trouble later in life. Um, I won't yeah. go into the details. Google that if you want to. It's not it's not good. None of them look like they've been up. All of them look like they've been a bit of hard times by those other photos. Yeah, I don't think it went well later in life for them. So. No big fun. No, and they can't blame that on the boogie. Nothing to do with that. <laughs> no, they cannot. Number 28 is Ride on Time <laughs> by Black Box. Yeah. <laughs> I know how much you love this song. <laughs> Bloody piano. There's, there's a lot, actually. Now, as much as that song is one that haunts your living dreams and I it know will get it to does. number one though won't it? it yes it does and this actually there's a really there's a I'll, I'll put the link in the podcast notes there's a really good article um which is about it's, it's basically looking back at all the controversy because there was a lot of controversy around this particular song yeah because yeah, was, of yeah. the, because of the fact it used samples because of the fact that they they didn't there's this myth that they replaced the singer and did all of that it's not quite how it happened they thought they'd paid a certain amount of money to a particular singer for the rights to use their voice from these samples they did. And then it turned out they didn't do that. So they then got sued by the singer uh, who said, you used my voice without my permission. So, and of course, by this point, they'd already gone on top of the pops and they didn't have, they, you know, it was three guys who would used a sampler. So they didn't have a singer, female singer, mm. even though they're female singers. And the female singer who was on the record wasn't particularly best pleased with them at this point. So they they just got a friend of I think it was a, either the girlfriend or the friend of one of the nightclub DJs that they knew whose girlfriend was a kind of a singer dancer and did a lot of miming in nightclubs. They got her to come on top of the pops and do the famous thing. Then it was then they got a, there was a big controversy about the fact that she was miming and they couldn't understand the controversy because they thought everyone mimed on top of the pops. Like hang on a minute, why are we being singled out? Yeah. So then it got sued by the woman for half a million. Dollars, I think, or and a, and a certain percentage of the revenue from the single. They re-recorded it. Um, they went back and then re-recorded a version of it, taking away the original singer and getting another singer who sounded a lot like that. It wasn't the woman who danced for them. It wasn't the original singer. And there's a lot of myth about who that replacement singer was for the other version. Nobody knows to this day who it was. There's speculation that it was one particular singer who denied it. There was some speculation that it was Spania that did the, did the second version of Ride on Time that was Spania. released. Yeah, but nobody really knows. And to this day, it's a mystery. The record company, it was somebody who worked for that record label who they said was an up-and-coming singer who didn't want to be associated with that song but would do it as a favour to them. Wow. Anyway, anyway, I'll put the article in the show notes. It's a really, really good read. Definitely mm. worth reading. So I'll do it in there. But yeah, right on time. But I hate, I mean, you hate the piano. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Ding, 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 ding. Hate that house piano noise. <laughs> just can't stand it in you know, my head. The, you know, the bit I hate in it the most is the bit where it goes, wah, oh, wah, wah, oh, wah, 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 where they're just hitting the keyboard sampler. Like, yeah. Wah, 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 wah. Oh, no, yeah. no. No one likes that. 
Good at the uh, time, not now. In at number 35 is, Hey DJ, I can't dance to that music you're playing. Featuring double mm. uh, uh, A side, I think, with Scar Train. Featuring, which is the Beastmasters, Beatmasters, not the Beastmasters. That would be really funny if it was the Beastmasters. <laughs> Should be. <Good> <laughs> the Beastmasters featuring Betty Boo. Yeah. It's not going to be a song you like, is it that? <laughs> no, my comment on this is music really had gone to shit at this point. <laughs> yeah. Well, some of it had. Now, this this the odd thing is here that this is Betty Boo not sounding like Betty Boo. Now, the Betty no. Boo with Betty Boo doing the do and you and that Betty Boo is not the same as this version. So that's kind of weird. She's, this is a bit more of a solely singer. So I don't know what happened. At a certain point, she just said, all I want to do is do be and dippy dippy. Somehow that happened to Betty Boo. But anyway, <laughs> where are you, baby? You know, that yeah. version of Betty Boo isn't that one. So it's no, a bit it's of an odd pod. Something single. Gary might know a lot more about that, actually, because he was a huge fan of the Beatmasters. I'm not so sure about Betty Boo, though. But Of course he was. Um, in so. number, <laughs> number 37, This Is The Right Time by Lisa Stansfield. <sighs> Bloody breakbeat. <laughs> I was surprised how good the US version was of that, actually, um, with you posting the sort of the two versions. The US version's a lot more production in there. It's very US lavish. Yeah. yeah, it is, isn't um, it? Yeah, that's why I put yeah, it in there. But I thought it was quite nice. I mean, if you're going to do a have a lavish production, do it like that. And she looks stunning in the video. Amazing. Mm, um, yeah, the, UK, yeah. the UK one sounded grubby and a bit like it is recorded in the bedroom of somebody. <laughs> yeah, it did a bit. Yeah, it's a bit, a bit sub, <laughs> sub, subdued would yeah. be the nice way of saying it. <laughs> so it's like it's gone from, you know, Bob's studio in, in you know, Castleford <laughs> to, uh, you know, LA studio with, you know, a 60-track mega recorder and all the super stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah, a bit of a difference. Uh, and at number 39 is Kisses on the Wind by Nana Cherry. <laughs> this is crap. I heard dancing. Yeah, I started with that. I don't know what she's doing. I think they've just said, just da- just do something. Yeah. She look- I think she looks really uncomfortable. I think she's like that. I I, she might write. I don't know, but she doesn't look comfortable in this no, video. No, I agree. I agree completely. I thought um, she looked out of place and awkward. Yeah, yeah and, right. And, exactly right. And another, as you've noted here, another chroma key offender. I was please, offended by the chroma key. <laughs> I was please like, give generously. Just, just, <laughs> ah, just, you know, just for God's sake. Just stand in front of real buildings. Yeah, just, you don't need chroma key in London. You're in London. Just, in front, just, no, just, you don't need to do that. Um, yeah, she needs a choreographer and a dance tutor and chroma key lessons all at the same time, please. I know it's <laughs> yeah. a niche skill set, but there must be someone out there who can do that. Yeah. And time travel, of course. <laughs> yeah, number 88 is Kiss This Thing Goodbye by Delamitri. Um, Stupid. MOR sideburns and a harmonica. <laughs> um, it's, it's like a prototype top loader. It is, actually, yeah. That was very similar. And uh, uh, by the way, MOR sideburns and harmonica is the title of his autobiography, I think. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's not more sideburns. It's well, middle of the road sideburns. That's the worst place to have them. Sideburns. His sideburns are ridiculous in that. I mean, they look like big mutton chop things, aren't they? Yeah, because he's got he's got that sort of sort of centre parted hair, longish hair, and just massive sideburns. I didn't expect. Delamitri to have sideburns like that. Did you not? I, I, I remember no. them. I do remember Delamitri. I mean, they were no. around for a bit, and this like, song does quite well for them. And they, they, they were, they're not terrible, but they're just, it's just a bit boring. It's MOR. Yeah, I don't agree with those sideburns. I don't agree with them. <laughs> shave them off. I said, shave off those sideburns. <laughs> do you know what sideburns are? I said, shave them off. I said, shave them off. <laughs> 13th of August. And at number 26 is The Invisible Man. Ooh, it's the Invisible, invisible Man. man. <laughs> <laughs> It's a crap Queen song, isn't it? That? Sorry, yeah. Queen, but it is huh? good. See, <laughs> <laughs> this video is weird. The kid's got a renegade poster on his wall, which is That's the first true. thing I noticed. But I can't help but feel that someone had just discovered little computer people. Yeah, they had. Uh, um, not in a good way. No, because the, the effects are utter shit and the song is meh. Yeah. 
Yeah, so, this is another chroma catastrophe. It ain't good. <laughs> it's not. It doesn't it start good. off well. It's no, just, someone's uh, got the wrong chroma keys. He's got the bad ones. Get the good chroma keys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, someone's got yeah. Uh, number thirty nine is Numero Uno by Starlight. Uh, <laughs> house, which you will, of course, <laughs> hate. Yeah, you're right. You're right. God, oh I, dear, plink plonk piano in that is strong. It's strong in that <laughs> one. <laughs> it's like a thousand, thousand, thousand people cried out all at once, and then were silenced. Just replace the emperor's conversation with any of the people he talks to, and take out the word maybe force and replace it with plink plonk, <laughs> <laughs> or, or maybe Sith. The plink plonk is strong in this one. <laughs> yeah, you want the plink plonk. <laughs> <laughs> Number forty is "I Need Your Loving." Alison Williams, smooth, yeah. but it sounds sub sub soul to soul. That's what it sounds totally, like to me. Totally, yeah. They've gone on. They hit the uh, the soul to soul default button on the synthesizer. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even know we had one of them. Oh, what does that do? <laughs> oh, right. does that? All right, okay. Yeah, that I need your loving. Yeah, yeah. Just record something that sounds kind of you know groovy on that. I'll do. I'll do. Uh, number forty-one is "Don't Look Back" by Fine Young Cannibals. Um, <laughs> Catchy honking. Catchy That's not enough the review they were they were hoping for better reviews. I think catchy enough honking. <laughs> That's what it sounded like to me. That needs to be on a t-shirt, a fine young cannibal's t-shirt, and on catchy. the back it just needs to say catchy enough honking. That's the tour. Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> number sixty-nine is move your feet to the rhythm of the beat. Oh, it's a huge <laughs> <hit>. <laughs> yeah, it was a massive, massive, yeah. huge club hit. It was played loads on loads and loads. It's on the Hitman and Her all the time. Mm-hmm. Inspired loads of Amiga demos as well. If you listen to it, you'll hear about a million Amiga demos that came coming around at this time. Loads of them, loads of the Bud Brain ones and all of that. What's his name? Travolta, I think was no, actually Travolta was more Spaceballs one. But there was loads of Amiga demos around this time that started to sound a bit like that. I think principally because they nicked the samples from those songs. Straight yeah, I think back. so. Yeah. But no, this is another no for me. Obviously, it's a no. I'm not going to like this. Just no. Yes. No. (laughs) 20th of August. And at number 10 is I Just Don't Have the Heart by Cliff Richards. He doesn't have a soul because he just sold it. (laughs) Pete Walton just (laughs) ran off with a contract just blowing on it. Thanks, Cliff. Thanks for your soul. (laughs) Stock Aiken and Walkman. Cliff Richard. What could go wrong? Everything. Everything Everything went wrong. (laughs) Putting Pete Walton in the video is never a good idea. Nope. His quiff is outrageous. Full meatball. Yes, he's, he's, he's head looks. He's head, his head looks like a pointy hat, pointy like a Robin Hood hat made out of blonde hair. He's got he's got full on Campbells. Um, <laughs> it's just awful. I was shocked, generally shocked that there were so many people. I was thinking that's not his concert, and I thought, yeah, you know, no. but, but but then it showed and you it's a, scary. A, a sort of uh, you know a, a top down view, a sort of aerial view of it, and it's like, how does he get so many people? Well, you didn't on? see what he was doing when he's when he's when it shows you the camera from behind him. He's just urinating. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, but people pay for that. <laughs> I suppose so. <laughs> <laughs> if only fans has taught me one thing, it's that people exactly. pay for that shit. People pay for that shit, <laughs> and just be grateful that's all he was doing. Absolutely, it's how I'm putting my kid through college. <laughs> to be fair, he may have been distributing hot dogs because he was apparently at his concerts. He was famous for giving away hot dogs. Did you know that? That's true fact. That is <laughs> really. I don't believe. Yeah, well, you. what is truth? What is truth at the what end of the truth? day? Apart from it's when as I true make as it you up. want it to be. It's as <laughs> true as you true, believe it is. That's what, ma- what that's what matters. It's as true as you believe it is. Okay. Are you uh, a true believer? <laughs> no, I'm not a believer in Cliff Richard's hot dogs. <laughs> now, there's a brand I believe in. 
<laughs> Clifford on the front of that box of that tin <laughs> with one of his pained expressions just, just with a hot dog in his hand I'm not sure I want to see I'm, why am I visualising that because that will never leave me Cliff's wieners <laughs> you know what my eyes have gone like you know in Zayfod Beeblebroxes my eyes have just gone completely black so it's prevent me from trying to think about anything else of that it's just that's it they've sealed themselves shut <laughs> my head no. has flipped back and another one has popped out um <laughs> <laughs> the defense head <laughs> it protects no, the main head no. <laughs> in times of emergency <laughs> you, you can't think of this <laughs> i must deal with this and then you can come back in charge <laughs> uh, <laughs> number 23 <laughs> god that's creepy that's a creepy thought you've got like a head hoodie just lay your <laughs> <laughs> it's Lay Your Hands On Me by Bon Jovi. <laughs> the the defence head has, has gone, gone back Classic in. track. <laughs> what? Which wise? I've completely lost where we are. Yeah. Uh, in at number 23. Bon, right, bon Jovi. Lay Your Hands On Me, Bon Jovi. Bon Jovi, yeah. Forget, okay. The d- defence head is has, a, now, has now allowed full gone. control. Full control is resumed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's Lay Your Hands on Me by Bon Jovi, and it's a classic. There we go. Oh, dear. <laughs> you don't need to say much more, do you? It is a classic. Everyone knows it. Number nah, 28, good, Love's About to Change track, My Heart. Yeah. It's massive. Love's more About to Change My Heart. More rubbish. <laughs> by Donna Summer. Yeah. <laughs> Give me a chance. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, it left me so. Um, yeah, stock aching and rubbish, yeah. Yeah, rubbish. Number 40, Revival by Eurythmics. Oh, this... this. I miss what is this going one? on with the music? I don't know. By, this, by this point, Eurythmics were watching their soul sail away to the distance. Because when I think of Sweet Dreams and that kind of electro, you know, northern soul electro sound they, they were pioneering, and then yeah. you hear this horrible, horrible thing, I was like, ah, what happened? What happened? They've gone the way of the David Bowie in the late 80s. Oh, the Tin Machine. Yes. It's not good, is it? It's not, no, it's not good. no, it's not. Bring back the real Eurythmics. This replacement are rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> Turn off their Eurythmics. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in at number 78, If I Could Turn Back Time by Cher. <laughs> There's so much testosterone in the opening of this song. You have a full beard by the end of it. I mean, it, I it's, 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 it, it's unbelievable. I've still I've grown six just looking at the, you know, looking at the, the, the video over time. A large set of massive loaded guns, a huge ship full of seamen, and Cher singing and dressed in a VHS tape thong. Yeah. All I'm saying is, it's a good job their sailor suits were white. That, that's what that saboteur was looking for, one. It was their outfit. <laughs> it was, yeah. Do you know, the deck of that ship took three months of extreme <laughs> sluicing to wash away all the man juice. <laughs> I do like to use the word sluicing. It's a word I very rarely get to use. In the Navy, <laughs> you can sluice the juice away. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I need to turn back time immediately. <laughs> the symbolism ain't subtle in this, is it? No, it's not. When she's you know astride the massive, massive guns. Yeah, it's it's it does it doesn't take a lot of reading. No, that's it's, all I'm saying. It's like Freud was rotating very fast in his grave, <laughs> like a madman. Sometimes fifty-five inch seaborne <laughs> warship cannons are just fifty-five inch seaborne warship cannons. That's all. Yeah. However, he was famous for saying that. He was. <laughs> Did a bit more of an accent, but yeah. Um, however, 
it's still a bloody great rock song. Yeah, yeah, it is good. I'll give it that. I'll you give know, it that. it's yeah. when that the chorus kicks in and stuff. It's not the it's, yeah. it's not the only bloody great uh, female solo artist rock song we get this week as well. Um, yeah, it's good, but uh, yeah, I do like if I could turn back time. Twenty um, seventh mm. of August, in at number nine is "Sowing the Seeds of Love" <laughs> by Tears for Fears. <laughs> I didn't know what to make of Tears of Fears at this point. I no. couldn't figure them out. Well, this is so Beatles, it nearly resurrected John Lennon to see them. <laughs> it really is. It's uncannily accurate. I don't mind this. It's a nice chorus and weird video. So I read around it, and this was like the first thing they released from after the album with uh, Everyone Wants to Rule the World and Shout and stuff on. So they didn't yeah, have anything true. in the middle of that. And then about three years later after touring, they had a massive fallout and split up. Wow. And Roland Ozabel took the Tears of His name, went off and released some stuff, and then they got back together in 2000 and has been touring ever since. Mm. But um, it's such a weird, weird thing, this. It's yeah. clever. It's a clever song. It is, yeah. And everything. But it, I remember hearing it when I first heard it. And I was in, I'll tell you where I first heard this song, and I remember it to this day. I was in Selectronics on Chantry Lane in Grimsby. Wow. Remember, okay, that was some time. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, and it was. Uh, I was. I was looking at the videos because he had the video shop. That it was a video shop, wasn't it? It's electronics. Yeah. Um, and I was looking at it. And it came on the radio, and I was like, "What is this?" And the radio presenter said, "Oh, it's Tears for Fears." I was like, "Well, that's not Tears for Fears. I recognise." No, I didn't recognise it. Interesting. So yeah, uh, more tears than less fears, I suppose. I don't. And know. interesting, you mentioned the Beatles, of course, because today they released their last ever single. Just if you don't, if you know that, I did know that. I did see something about yeah, that in the now news. Now and then, it's called Now and Then. It's not very good. Um, Probably why it was never released. Yeah. Well, yeah, maybe. And, you know, it's probably, it's apparently to the magic of AI and all sorts of stuff involved. We wouldn't have it if it weren't for AI. Thanks, AI. Thanks, thanks. for ruining the Beatles' memories for everybody. Yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> thanks. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, in at number 26 is Night Train by Guns N' Roses. Yeah. <laughs> now, we're going to post um, a picture, of a video in the show notes. So you should all go have a look because uh, there's a video of them doing this live in Tokyo in 1992. All we can is. say is just get ready with the eye bleach for Axel's outfit. It's, it's, it leaves nothing to the imagination. And, <laughs> and you, you will, wish it your eyes, your, eyes, your defense mechanism might kick in, just as a warning. <laughs> your defense head might pop out. <laughs> it, it, it probably will, I think. <laughs> you, oh dear! Yeah. <laughs> uh, why is this being released anyway? What is it? I don't I know. Thought, it's weird. I thought these songs were ages ago. What? What is they this? Yeah, I couldn't find any. I couldn't find any rhyme or reason for it, unless it's something to do with the film. I couldn't find a lot about a lot about the version, not this, a lot about the record, but not about this version. Yeah, because we've had a couple of Guns and Roses recently, haven't we? That just seem to. Have... Well, yeah, well, we just had the Bon Jovi one as well. I can't find why it was released. I just couldn't find anything about it. No. Uh, number thirty-one is the best by Tina Turner. I always thought it was called Simply the Best. Always did. Yeah, I was thought, Ironically, well, you think though, that because she says it a lot in it. Yeah, but this is the best. Now, I, I, no, no, I didn't know this, but this was originally sung by Bonnie Tyler on her seventh studio yeah, album. It was written by that. Mike Chapman and Holly Knight, produced by Desmond Child. Yeah, oh, there you go. That's why. Um, and it became, and Tyler's version became a top 10 hit in Norway, but was a minor hit elsewhere. So the Norwegians mm. liked it, but... Really fair, we've been else, a top ten hit in Norway with our with our track Unpack a Lampa. Do you remember that when we released that? <laughs> I do. Thank you, Norwegian. We, we love <laughs> you. Lampa, 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 lampa. It was a good song. <laughs> it was niche. <laughs> it was very niche. In nineteen eighty nine, though, however, <laughs> Tina Turner released a cover version of the best, and it was for her seventh studio album, Foreign Affair, which became a worldwide hit, which is probably the one everyone knows. Received a double platinum yeah. certification in the UK. Uh, re-record, she record, re-recorded it in nineteen ninety two as a duet with Australian singer Jimmy Barnes, whoever he is. Okay. But I, I, this song's ace. Tina Turner's version. It is a good song. Is ace. Yeah, it it's is good. Massively powerful. Her voice is amazing. The, the Tina Turner sort of comeback from what she went through is is, is incredible. The you know uh, 
So, mm. and I used to get this played at me loads, which probably, you know, I'm probably indoctrinated into it because my brother used to love Tina Turner. And so I used to hear this song a oh, lot. Okay. And, but it is, it's an, again, like the, the share song, it's just, an, it's just another great, you know, strong female haunted solo rock track. That it's just, that, just the power in her voice is incredible. You know, yeah. she had an ace voice, Tina Turner. But, uh, and I really do like this. Bonnie Tyler's version, though. It's okay, but you know, yeah, it, it will, um, it will, it will smooth good. any sandboard you've got. Yeah, she's gravelly, isn't she? The thing is, this isn't the first time Bonnie Tyler's had a song that she sang originally released by somebody else and do better. I think it's happened a few times now for her, which is odd. She's like, she's the trial run. <laughs> right, Aww. give it to Bonnie Tyler. Does she, if it ain't it for her, be it, if it bound to be it for someone else. Oh, as they called her Bonnie Tyler. <laughs> Maybe that is a real name. Maybe so. Child, I like it. Very, that's a very clever joke. That's good. I like You're it. welcome. Oh, yeah. I have my moments. Good. <laughs> Number 35, Miss You Much by Janet Jackson. It's a Janet Jackson song. It's heavy on the bass stabs and funk. Very heavy on bass stabs and funk, yeah. Yeah, the kind of thing she always did. Is I listened to the first 30 seconds and I thought, well, I've heard this in a million other Janet Jackson tracks. It's not doing yeah. anything new or special. It's just Janet Jackson. If you like it, though, you're going to dig it. That's for sure. Yeah. And it's quite, the video is quite well directed for one of these sort of yeah, ensemble dance well. videos. Nicely sort of shot and lit, lots of chiaroscuro lighting and things like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very, it is lots of money involved. Yeah. yeah, probably. I think this album was a the album this came off was the massive one, wasn't it? Was the yeah. Rhythm Nation? Was it Rhythm Nation? Was it, rhythm? Mm, possibly. It, it, yes, it could be. I don't know. I don't. I didn't look into that. I don't, maybe. I don't remember. Number forty four is uh, Love Song. By the Cure. This is so again. Mm. No, uh, no expectations. I really like this. Uh, great track off uh, Disintegration. It's um, the third single they released off it. Um, and just reminds me of why I like the Cure. Kind of a really bleak. I mean, if you're going to do a song called Love Song and then do it this bleakly, I'm always mm. sort of a bit of a fan of that. So, and it's kind of a song about like you, you're not, you know, you're not anybody if that person not there. It's a bit of a kind of clingy. I, I don't know. I need to look into it more, but it, it, the tone and the feel of it are always kind of a bit weird. That's the cure, isn't it? I like the song. Yeah, no, this one of the only cure tracks I have a lot of time for. The video is stupid, but the song itself is very good. It's it's a good song. This and it's it's the better for me. It's the better version of in my mind. I much prefer this version of the cure to Love Cats or to Friday I'm in Love or whatever. This is the song I remember them for because it's got that nice little bit in it. It's a nice. It's a really nice put together track. That is. Yeah. That's what I said. This disintegration is my favourite album of theirs. So, but the, 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 there's a weird shot in the album though, which in the video where there's just a there's a sort of because the, they're like kind of in a cave, aren't there? Some there's loads of stalactites yeah, yeah. and stalagmites, and there's a big rock stone up, and there's just a big spurt coming out of it. It's like oh, that looks a bit weird. You know so, what it means. <laughs> Freud knows what it means. Uh, number forty-five is very metal noise pollution EP by Popley itself. Uh, it's, it, yeah, it's just like they would seem to release this. There's four tracks in it: PWE Ionization, 92 Degrees, Defcon One, 1989, and Preaching to the Perverted. I imagine that Brown Source would know a lot about this. Yeah, he was well, he was quite into it. I remember him playing me a load of um, Pop Will Eat Yourself tracks because um, he was trying to convince me that they sounded like Ministry. Oh, that might be new. Maybe they did. I don't remember which album or what track it was, but I remember thinking they were quite good. This is a good... I was listening to some of the tracks on this, and they are. this is a bit more industrial sound in this, this yeah, stuff. Yeah, have gone down that sort of heavier road, haven't they? So. Yeah. And finally, at number 53, is Pump Up The Jam, featuring Felly. Uh, yes. By Technotronic. Yes, that's a very, very... Actually, it's a, a particularly good Euro dance track. You, you won't like it. I know that. 
or maybe you do. But uh, well, um, this, is this the one? Pump up the jam. Pump yeah, it up. that's the yeah, one. It, yeah, I I'm not a big fan, but it, I can't. It was so, everywhere. It was massive. Well, it was everywhere. It gave birth to loads of other songs that sounded like this, principally by Technotronic, because their follow-up single to this sounds exactly like this. Get up, yeah. get up, get busy, do it. Get <laughs> yeah, up, and movie about yeah. that. Sounds exactly like that. But that said, it's not a bad sound. The Roland SH101 in full effect, y'all. Got to love it. Very powerful um, synthesizer, very quirky synthesizer, the SH101, and possibly even Oberheim OBX in there as well. Both basically the sounds of dance music in the early 80s, um, late 80s, sorry, early 90s. If you've listened to anything like Technotronic or anything that, that sound you get, that dunk, 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 da-da-da, dunk, 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 that bass sound is a Roland SH101. There you go. Full effect. I love it. But I, I quite like that. I quite like the album because it sounds exactly the same all the way through. It's consistent. Um, and the drum sample on that, by the way, was used in a bunch of Amiga demos. Loads of them. Loads of them. Bud Brain demos. Loads of them. Yeah. Doesn't surprise me. Albums. 6th of August. In at number 33 is Imagination by Imagination. Imagination. <laughs> yeah. That's not by them, actually. It's just an illusion. I don't like him. <laughs> particularly but you know it's not my thing so it's a no. compilation i think that so yeah they're a bit like they're a bit late to the party by this point aren't they yeah well it's it's a i say it's a it's a best of i think or something like that i don't think it's an original album but. yeah number 45 is waterfront by waterfront well i just get a stop this <laughs> yeah do because it's bland bore of the worst kind and it's horrible so yeah. don't listen to it because your ears will melt <laughs> Exactly. 13th of August. There's not a lot of albums out this month, by the way. 13th of August in at number 40, Practice What You Preach by Testament. Mm, heavy metal, heavy metal, like heavy metal, heavy metal. Kind of track that would come on in Gulliver's in Grimsby back in the day when we were, you know, going there. would clear the dance floor, except for the metalheads that would go on and do their thing and then piss off back to their dirty seats. <laughs> they were clean they? before they'd they sat on them. The, yeah, they'd just go back into the corner. They'd just appear out of the, out of the murk. <laughs> Everyone would clear the area because they'd just mosh and bump into each other a lot and look generally kind of grumpy. Probably yeah. a good track by Testament, maybe. I thought it sounded a lot like Metallica, so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, number 42 is Sing Along A War Years by Max Bygraves. <laughs> <laughs> the legend of Max Bygraves. <laughs> for the, yeah, for those not familiar with Max Bygraves, maybe the uh, our non-UK listeners, Max Bygraves was, was, an, was an impressionist. Was he the impression? I think he was an entertainer. He was an entertainer. Broad, broadly speaking, entertainer. It, he was famous, mostly famous for doing Family Fortunes. Yeah, he did Family Fortunes in the UK, big game show, and big money. Yeah. Famous for being having sort of catchphrases, and, and he was a bit of a, an old school vaudeville sort of entertainer back in the day, you know. Yeah. Played the clubs of Britain in the 70s and that, you know, the rough clubs and that. And then, you know, famous for certain songs that, you know, old people liked, and he released a million albums doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, Granny's loved him. He did, he, he, you Need Hands was one of his big hits. You need hands to do the dishes. You need hands to... You, know, <laughs> you just generally need them because without them, you it's need more hand. awkward than it should be. No gloves will ever fit and all that kind of thing. <laughs> to write a letter. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's, he never ran out of lyrics for that song, really. It turns out hands are well useful. <laughs> hands hands do loads of stuff. You need hands to lay <laughs> bricks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I needed hands to write this song. <laughs> so yeah, he did. He did. Max Bygraves, even though you can't see in that picture, by the way, he was born with two left hands. So. <laughs> he also, do you know what? You never, you never actually seen Bygraves either. He was had a, he had a phobia no. of them. Um, it's true. So That's it, a true fact. That is, yeah, it is. Yeah. You know, but what is truth? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and at number 52 is uh, Batman's original motion picture score by Danny Elfman. Yeah, you dig that, didn't you? you was I do. It's a very, I used, yeah, this is uh, something I used to listen to. I used to listen to this while typing at my typewriter. It was good. And then dressed as Batman, music. running around the streets of the Willows, yeah. <laughs> and then pose for Ollie Frey's cover. 
because yeah, you stood in a Lego brick. <laughs> ah, <laughs> perfect. Keep it. Keep that face. Keep it. <laughs> okay, Ollie. Sorry. Sketch me like one of your Batman men, Ollie. <laughs> <laughs> Riddle me this. <laughs> yeah, it, it is a cracking score. That is really, really good. Um, it is good. Very, very good. Yeah, it certainly woke people up, didn't it? To the better Batman. Sort of yes. the future Batman that was coming, wasn't he? Big style at this point. So yeah, absolutely. Number seventy-five is Brain Drain by the Ramones. Eleventh yeah, album from them. I, I, I can only imagine this sounds exactly like everything else. Did they ever change their style? It's got a song that's called Ho Ho Oh No on it, um, <laughs> and variations of that. There yeah. we go. Twentieth of August, straight to number two is uh, Trash by Alice Cooper. Another eleventh album. Yeah, yeah. It's just uh, got poison on it, hasn't it? And things like that. It's also, it does, this, yeah. This will also have bed of nails on it as well. It does. My love <laughs> is a bed of nails. Love is good on a bed of nails. Yeah. <laughs> you drive me like a hammer on a bed on a of bed. nails. <laughs> you said it was a great album. You love that no, album. No, I don't like this album. I like Poison. But bed of nails, yeah. those lyrics, drive me like a hammer on a bed of nails. Makes no sense. Yeah. No sense. No, That's not. doesn't. <laughs> drive not me like good. a hammer. Uh, whatever. It, it's, it's not a terrible album for Alice Cooper. You know, he's, well, he should be good at them. He's, he's done 10 others, so this is that you know, is true. an old hack at this by now. Yeah, and it was a big hit, wasn't it? And it's, yeah, it is a mm. good, good. It's it lost because it's lost a bit of the um, the pantomime, I think, hasn't it? It's gone from more of a sort of standard sort of rock, yeah, sound. very metal, got very stalwart metally musicians in there, and they did their metal thing, you know. Yeah. So it sounds it's got good riff guitar riffs and that in it. So cool. yeah, uh, and at number five is Big Bang by Fuzzbox. Well, wave them goodbye because this is their second and final album. Shame, really, because they were doing some interesting stuff. Yeah, they broke up after this. They released, I think, another single, and it was all downhill from there. And the record company said, due to the lack of success of the projected album's lead single, you're going to get biffed, and then they broke up the band. Mm, shame. Which is kind of the final final call on their, I think, love-hate relationship with the label that basically ruined their music chances. So, silly. Probably. Number seven is Choices by the Blow Monkeys. Yeah. If you've got a choice, you know, never choose to blow monkeys. It renders you powerless. Dear boy. <laughs> Greatest hits album, apparently. Did they have any? Well, apparently. <laughs> you've got to have some hits to have the greatest. Yeah. I mean, the greatest hits means that there are more than, more, than, more than that many hits to fit on an album. Well, it doesn't say the geography, does it? So we don't know where those greatest hits will come from. It could be the greatest hits of, I don't know, Nepal. Turns True. out the blow monkeys were massive in Nepal. <laughs> True. Um, number thirty-five is French Kisses by Lil Louis. Yeah, I couldn't find a lot out about this album. Um, no, I so I don't know. The only one I could find was an album called From the Mind of Lil Louis, but maybe it's something to do with that. I don't know. I didn't. Maybe. I couldn't find much about it. Twenty-seventh of August. Uh, in at number nine is Sacred Heart by Shakespeare's sister. Oh, yeah, your favourite. Yeah, David. Oh, my favourite. I just fancied Siobhan for Hay back in the day. David, your favourite. Uh, we've got your history. It's got Stay <laughs> on it, I think, hasn't it? Yes, it does. Yeah, yeah. yeah it does, which is imminently going to be released. It is. Um, uh, number 18 is Rock Island by Jethro Tull. 17th Jesus. album. By 1989, 17 albums. That's some 17. going, isn't it? Because <laughs> apparently they, they got Martin Fairport Convention's Martin Alcock to play on oh, that band. okay. Right, okay. Not saying anything. Say no more. <laughs> I'm not. Dave Pegg. <laughs> Peg and Alcock. <laughs> nope, nobody wants to be pegged by any. Now, just stop. Let's stop. My defense, stop. defense system switched in. Stop. <laughs> my defense head switched in. So, so we're all good. We're stop. safe now. Flynn. <laughs> uh, number 61 is Skid Row. Skid Row. Oh, God damn it. Come up with an album name. Yeah. Why didn't they call it 18 and Life, which is the single of that? 
Well, because that's the, the better name single. Than that. I know, well, just call the album that, couldn't they? Could have done. Yeah, that. they could have. I'd have called it Back to the Future because you know with B A C H. Oh, I'll be back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh yeah, back in time. Anything. There's <laughs> yeah, loads of names. Loads of yeah. things about with back. back to back. <laughs> <laughs> Bark to bark, yeah, because the lead singer is called Sebastian Bark. Yeah, if, if you don't nothing know what pretentious these about are. that, <laughs> yeah, nothing pretentious about calling your lead singer that. That reminds me, I've been watching. Um, just as a side side note, I've been watching uh, the TV show Bosch. You ever watched it? It's got no. I can't remember the guy's name in it, but anyway, so it's, it's a sort of detective. He's a policeman, gets kicked out at one point, but you find out in the first, his actual name is he's called Hieronymus Bosch. Right, okay. And I was like, first time okay. I heard that, I went, "Are you having a laugh?" And then you find out that he's the he's the son of a, a prostitute who works for the police. I was like, who wrote mm. this? But it's a man, supposedly so it's a massive series of books. People love okay. it. I was like, you can create right. any old Fair rubbish. Enough. To be fair, the show's quite good. Um, okay. <laughs> it's got uh, Titus Welliver. That's who's the main guy, isn't it? You'd recognise him yes. if you saw him. And finally, in at number 73 is Lazy 8688, The Primitives. Best of. Mm. There we go. Oh, there we go. That's your music. It caused us to, our defence heads to come out. <laughs> The, the thought of uh, uh, Richard's wieners, which no one likes to think of. <laughs> and on that note, we're going to take a quick break because I think we need one after that lot. Uh, we'll be back. We've still got right. three games to get through in more ninjas. There are more ninjas coming. So we'll <laughs> let us take a break and we'll be back with those after that. See you in a moment. And we're back. Three more games still to go, so let's get straight in. The first one is Baal. Baal. B-A-A-L. Baal. Uh, this was £9.99. It's got 65%. This is from Cygnosis, and it's another deport, I guess, from the Amiga original, although they, yeah. were actually re- they were actually reviewed at the same time in Zap. So did they maybe come out at the same time? Is it just a release across all maybe. ports? So maybe not a deport, maybe just this is this is just the C sixty version of the game Baal. Who knows? Anyway, it's the eight bit version of Baal and it was published by Cyclops, developed by Probe Software, designed by Wayne Smithson, so I presume that's the Amiga version. This uh, this code for the C sixty four version is Daryl Bowers and it's got graphics by Andrew Morris. And according to Moby Games, there's nothing listening on Lemon, the music is by Paul and Mike, whoever they are. There is a story to this. A long story, which I'm not going to read. It's a many. <laughs> did you read it? The many page it was horror story epic, that came wasn't with it. it? Yeah, it's bloody yell that, that it reminded me of Garth Marenghi. Um, <laughs> th- that's what it reminded me. Of. But I'm just going to praise that story here because you know, to I, I can't, I can't do it justice. But as an archaeologist, basically, has unearthed an old burial site. And in that site, there lies a stone slab with the word Baal carved on it. Alongside this, uh, he's been receiving strange letters foretelling death and destruction written in an old, scrawly hand that he can barely understand. <laughs> because of this, he rings his old professor um, from university, wakes him up in the middle of the night, and the professor, when he tells him the name Baal, he gives him a chilling warning from an old Scottish monk in the 12th century who had written that moving the stone at a time when men were reaching for the stars would cause death and destruction. Mm. And obviously that's what we're doing at the moment. We're trying to go to space. This is all happening on the 6th of June, 1999. And one of the notes was that you needed to get rid of the one and turn the numbers around to reveal the number of the beast, 666. (sighs) Anyway, at the dig site, they brought in a big digger. (laughs) <laughs> to move the to move the uh, to move the uh, slab, he doesn't want it. Obviously, he's trying to race back there and stop him. And they've shifted the stone, and it releases the demon Baal, who kills everyone but the archaeologist um, before threatening to destroy the world with his awesome war machine. 
why would a demon have a war machine? And then retreats back to his lair. I'm going to kill you all in a bit. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> in the three days, hence Baal appearing, killing everyone, and then retreating, an elite squadron has been formed called the Time Warriors for some reason that I can't figure out because this has nothing to do with time travel or anything. Um, and they've been given the mission to go and kill Baal and stop all this ruddy nonsense once and for all. There you go. <laughs> you are in charge of the Time Warriors. That archaeologist is never mentioned again. <laughs> He's like, his job is done. you got to learn all this stuff about him, man. He just buggers off. Who knows? Uh, you got to make your way through Baal's lair and kill him and anything else that gets in your way. That's it. There's the story. This is written over multiple pages. You can go read it. We'll put a link somewhere. When the game loads, we get an image of Baal on the title screen and some average sounding music. There's little else, though. So we press fire to start the game. So the game itself is a platforms and ladders, multi-directional scrolling run and gun game, I suppose. Would you yeah? You control yeah. one of your time warriors and you must navigate the platforms and ladders to get further into Baal's lair. The aim is to explore the area um, and collect the pieces of the war machine that are scattered about. The game is made up of three domains and you need to collect all the pieces to progress from domain to domain. There are ten pieces of the war machine in domain one and eight in domain two once you collect all them you progress on to uh, domain three which is smaller where you face against Baal I presume the screen is split into two just over half the screen at the top being the play area and the rest at the bottom being your UI the UI consists of various things it shows your personal status which a weird way of saying your score the time elapsed for the mission uh, I'm not even sure there is actually a time limit on it the number of lives remaining uh, it's got your health this is represented by a white bar it's got the amount of power left in your laser gun which is a blue bar and there is a red bar which is the fuel for your jetpack there are also 18 individual sort of bars at the bottom representing each piece of the war machine controls are simple enough left and right for walking fire is for your laser but you can't fire whilst moving so you have to stand still and shoot up and down are for climbing ladders to jump you have to press fire and use either up um, for a sort of an upward jump or the diagonals to do a forward jump mm. the levels are set up in a small the levels themselves are set up in small platform sections and your progress is blocked by deadly laser gates you need to find the power supplies for these and destroy them with your gun to allow progress onwards so it's like a little so each sort of platform section is a little maze we've got to go up and go down and find the power per thing shoot that then it allows you to go through a gate which allows you to pick something up or shoot another power thing which will destroy another one and so on and so on and so forth you'll find collectibles as you mooch about such as power for your jetpack so fuel sorry for your jetpack you'll find weapon upgrades uh, you can find health packs uh, to give yourself the health back and you can find the war machine pieces usually there's one war machine piece on each sort of mini platform in section when you collect one of these one of the 18 bars at the bottom will turn gray to show that you have it traversal from one platform in section to the next is via your jetpack um so as you Mooch your way around the sort of platform section. Eventually, you, you'll get to the end, and you'll this this little sort of uh, it's like a you know, it's like a teleport system. So it sort of drops down, and when it drops back up again, your character is now wearing it's like got his jetpack on, and you can fly about you can fly about the level in any direction. And you, essentially, what you've got to do is find the next launch pad to land on. Um, if you run out of fuel as you're flying, you will lose a life. Um, when you do find the launch pad, you'll land and automatically go back, and then you can proceed to. Sorry, you'll automatically go back to just being on foot again and you can proceed through that section to find the war machine piece 
and so on and so on. Then you head back to the jetpack sequence, get back to the jetpack, fly towards the next platforming sequence, and that's that's how the game sort of works. The visuals for the game, I thought they're pretty good. There's some nice, the but you know, it's a C64 version of the Amiga version, so you know, but you know, put your expectations where they are. There's some nice brown shaded caverns for the background, uh, and the actual main character is a well animated high res sort of that high res overlay overlay sprite for the main character. It looks quite decent, quite well animated. It's all right. The denizens of the caverns, though, because there's monsters dotted about, they're not as good. They're kind of weird monsters, and they spit stuff at you, and they're a bit they're they're not that great, and they're not there's not that many of them. But so the challenge actually here is is navigating the world itself rather than because the monsters don't really provide that much challenge. You just sort of stand and just shoot them until they until they die. The screen scrolls smoothly enough, uh, although I would have liked the main character to have stayed more central in the screen because um, you have to walk quite close to the edge of the screen to move it. Uh, there are mines in the levels as well, which you have to jump over. And on more than one occasion, I just walked into a mine because I was kind of walking forward and didn't sort of stop because the mine just appeared and I couldn't stop in time to, to hit it. And then you lose a life instantly, and that was quite annoying. And I was also killed at one point because a ladder didn't go all the way down and by the time I knew this through the scrolling, I was already falling off it to my doom. Because the way that the platform sections thing is, each sort of level is sort of it's like three high, so it's three sections high, um, and you can fall off one section to the one below it. But if you fall off the top section down to the bottom section, so you go down two, you'll die. So you can't do that. So you can drop down one level, but not two. And so when I fell off the ladder, I fell two and, and died. That was quite annoying as well. So. I also found it quite annoying as well trying to find a landing pad for the jetpack. There's no map, so you just you're just flying blind. I found mm, you just yeah. you're just flying into the unknown, hoping you find one oh, before God. your fuel runs out. So you're just watching the red bar sort of move down, but you've no idea because you can't land. You'll f- I found the platforming sections, so I found them, but it's you've actually got to find the landing pad, which is a bit annoying. Um, and I ran out of fuel quite often and then was just stuck and that died. And I thought that was a bit unfair. So if there's some kind of indicator or map to the next one, so, you know, I, I don't know if there's some kind of noise because some kind of noise did appear at some point, but I don't know if it was a new, I, I don't know. I couldn't find it. And quite quite often I was dying because I was flying around blind. And so that was, uh, yeah, it was a quite a frustrating element to the game. So I, I was kind of reminded of that old arcade game we looked at, uh, Galivan. Do you remember Galivan? Yeah. Yeah, uh, this this put me in mind of that when playing this because you're sort of wandering around caverns of brown, which you were in that game, and I th- it sort of felt a bit similar to that. It's not terrible. It's conversions of Amiga games to C64 go. Uh, yeah, th- this is actually a pretty decent conversion. I had a look at the Amiga version, and aside from the visuals, it's it seems pretty much identical. Yeah. So there's no there's nothing wrong with the conversion. There's so it, it's not the same. Obviously, it lacks the graphical prowess. It's essentially the same game. I mean, they even do fit more info into the UI. The um, the Amiga version only has one of those bars for your health. I think it doesn't have the uh, power the uh, energy bar for your lasers and the rocket fuel bar. So I don't know mm-hmm. if they're sort of additions to the C64 version, but they're certainly not there in the UI for the Amiga version. Um, so all that's good. All that's decent. The main issue with this game is that, I mean, I've just got another one, haven't I? It's like like clubhouse games. It's not interesting to play. No, it's not. And the need to randomly fly around to to find the next part is annoying. Um, so I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't mind this. I mean, it was, it was okay. It's not the worst thing I've played. But the problem was, it's come on the back of some of a Project Firestar, which is a kind of mm. similarish. You know, you stand and shoot, and you're flying around, you're exploring, you things like that. And the problem that this comes up really short of that. Whereas that was a really decent, interesting story with loads of surprises and sort of shocks and things like that. This is just a wander around, trudge about, solving the puzzles. It, 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 there was something else it reminded of as well, where you were you were shutting one bit down so you could go through a laser gate and you could go that bit and then you found the next bit. It was, it's just one of them. 
it's a rote it's a rote game because each platforming section is a sequence you just go down here right. climb down that climb down that shoot that laser that will knock that one out go up there climb this that's it and and it feels that there's not much else more to it and i couldn't really find much more else to do because the only puzzles are just finding the things to shoot and once you've blasted them the doors are open and you can go on through and there was no real sense of story or progression or anything like that so it all just got really boring really quickly mm. and there's you know despite this supposedly being like about a big you know demon sort of coming up and killing people there's no sense of horror in this the monsters aren't horrific or anything there's no sense of foreboding or anything like that so all that Baal demon type nonsense you know it just didn't literally lead anywhere whereas something like project firestar had a really sort of creepy atmosphere and sort of built up its shocks and things like that so it's not a bad port and I think, you know, actually the Amiga version only got 63% in Zap. This got 65 I think that's about right. It's two-thirds of a game. It's just a bit boring. And and I think that, that the problem with that is that it's a it's a good port of a boring game. It's what we've said about arcade games. Mm. Some arcade conversions are pretty decent, but they're, they're ports of boring games or not very good games, and that's what we have here. It's just a bit dull. It's just a bit, it's just a bit rote. And I didn't really, you know, pfft, it's what it was. Bal, meh. Couldn't really get excited about it. What about you? Same, really. I remember the Amiga version of it, and not for good reasons. I suppose there's some okay graphics in there, here and there. The main sprite was okay. Backgrounds weren't terrible. Some nice intro title screens. Music was okay. It's all passable stuff. The disc loading was a pain. Um, There's a lot of broken cracks out there for this game as well, because that had a really weird convoluted um, protection scheme on it. Um, So um, there are versions that simply are not fully functional out there and badly cracked and sort of disc frozen and, and not good. But the, I played a sort of a, a disc version that took, there was quite a bit of loading in it. It's just another dull clump around and actually clump and plink, really, <laughs> around a lot of brown caves in Brownsville. Annoying sound effects that bore the way through your ears periodically. Dull layouts, ladders and platforms. And we've seen loads of platforms and ladders games. You walk, shoot, jump badly with silly controls. We've just been down this road before and it wasn't a great experience then. This is just uninspired and as the Amiga version was also uninspired, competently packaged, boring. So not for me, not yeah. for me at all. And I agree with everything you said about it. It's you know, There are things you could like, and it's not a bad conversion, but as we've seen sometimes with the old arcades, a conversion of a boring game is still a boring game. It's so. still a boring game. It, interestingly, there's a comment on Lemon64 by someone called Fluidity Gibbet. So I'm just going to read this out. It says, uh, I'm Andrew Morris, who's the guy who did the graphics for this. Um, okay. I vaguely remember making the conversion to the C64 it was a very uninspired piece of work, as far as I can recall. Daryl and I were just winding up from a protracted fear and loathing routine in the south of England. <laughs> We'd spent a huge amount of money and were down to the last couple of thousand. I don't remember picking up the freelance contract or finishing the game. Christ alone knows how Daryl managed to code it. I think he maybe used it as a way of sobering up. Anyway, it's a miracle it doesn't crash on the title screen. <laughs> Tells you all you need to know about the QA processes, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, there you go. So maybe that's why the actual thing is bugged on... Because yeah, it maybe. maybe I don't know, but I like the fact that they've just gone on a fear and loathing bender down in down south yeah. of England, and then God, we need some money. Just knock out this Amiga conversion. Bal, okay, Bal. <laughs> it had one of those covers, didn't it? It had a sort of demon on the cover, a sort of four eyed yeah. demon. Good, good cover, but posh cyclapsy type stuff. Yeah, there you go. Anyway, there you go. That's Bal. Bal. Let's move on. We had another four letter game coming next. And that game, Graham, is over to you to tell us all about hate or H-A-T-E. How do you want to say it? Oh, goodness, this. <laughs> um, you mean the hostile all-terrain encounter? That's exactly what I mean. <laughs> yeah, this is published by Gremlin Graphics. I'm not happy about that. 
<laughs> this is copyright Vortex software. Not particularly impressed with that. <laughs> the developer was Sentient Software. They've released such dog turds as Atura, Guerrilla War, How to Be a Complete Bastard, North Star, and A Question of Scruples. A game, the last, the latter of which we said was pointless, and almost every other game in that list we said was crap. That's not a good yeah. starting point. And the it's musician not. was Ben Daglish, not in good form either at this point. It sounds like he's almost given up. God, this game is just rubbish. Who asked for this? Who asked for it? <laughs> a Super Zaxxon clone in 1989. Super Zaxxon was released in 1984, mm-hmm. and with many other clones as well. There was loads of them. The Zaxxon, Blue Max, Panther, Zigzag, Leviathan, Sigma 7, I mean, the list goes on. There's bunches of them. Yep. Isometric shoot ups where you fly a spaceship from bottom left to top right as at the isometric angle. Shoot at and avoid or kill various baddies at different heights, indicated by a dark shadow of your spaceship on the ground. You know, that. Um, in this particular version of that, uh, the year is AD2320 and the galaxy is in turmoil with the alien threat ever increasing. The lack of experienced assault personnel is severely undermining the defences of civilised sectors. You are needed to repel the hostile alien forces, but you have to qualify first. Preparing to go to Strip World, the training ground for all galactic fighter pilots. I can see why they would call it Strip World. I bet it's a long queue to get there. And when they get there, they're very disappointed. <laughs> So that's 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 the blurb. Um, there's a little bit more, I think, in the um, official instructions. It says um, initially controlling a starfighter plasma cells. Li- starfighter plasma cells lining the route will be must be collected and taken through the barrier. Upon completion of this level, you will take control of the ground assault vehicle. Maneuver the gav <laughs> to the next barrier again, collecting plasma cells to power the waiting starfighter. This will continue until you advance no further or until you're bored out of your tiny minds <laughs> to test you the, sim- stimul- the simulated alien defenses line the way and must be overcome ground skimming projectiles intelligent missiles enemy starfighters mine barriers and many more obstacles will challenge even the most advanced fighter pilots you begin with four lives on the commodore each time your craft that's a bit of a lie though isn't it you begin with four you might begin with four lives it's over with after one um, yes. Each time your craft is destroyed, a life is lost. It's a bit weird. Extra lives are gained by collecting the plasma cells, the remains of the nuclear generators. If your craft is hit whilst carrying one or more of cells, uh, it will be destroyed while saving you from the destruction. The number of plasma cells carried through determines the number of lives for the next level. If you lose all your lives beyond level two, central command will send you back one level. Mm. What? Mm. <laughs> what? Mm. <laughs> So get this, right? Levels 1 to 10 are the trainee levels. Levels 11 to 20 are the fighter pilot levels. And levels 21 to 30 are the commander levels. Hostile all-terrain encounter has 30 levels. Okay, that's the stages. Upon completion of levels 11 to 21, all subsequent games will begin at these levels. To return to level 1, the game must be reloaded. I'm sensing, and I'm just putting it out there, that this is a real piece of shit. <laughs> um, just a sense I've got, a sixth, my sixth sense about such things. Have you? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, goodness. From the moment this starts with its crappy title screen and average music, you'll know you're in for a real special treat. You start mm. the game when the weird, overlong, and dreary, and utterly pointless start sequence happens, where on auto, you fly into the battle zone really slowly. Mm-hmm. An yep. isometric grey slab of chocolate with periodic hills will avail you, as will countless enemies that weave and wave around pointlessly. Fly, shoot, and go up and down, collect the thingamabobs, fly more, avoid walls, die once, end of game, end of line. I didn't have four lives when I played this. Did I do something wrong? I had one life. Hit something, life. dead, start again. Yeah. So, don't know what's going on there. Is it booked? I don't know. We're in 1989 at this point, and this, this is what you have to offer C64 game players 
After all those years of doing this and looking at you, Gremlin Graphics, since you started in 1984, at the the end of the, towards the end of the C64's life, and this was out on the Amiga as well, you created a deported crappy Zaxxon with literally no thought, no energy, no passion. You just pumped out a crappy derivative game across as many formats as possible because like a really dirty shit, it would bound to stick to somebody. Because there's suckers out there that will buy it. This is a £10 glove slap, the likes of which are only akin to losing at the very last second during an eBay bid. Um, That's how angry it got me. The Amiga version was also a slow piece of shit. Always played horribly, slowly and sluggishly. The music was also really crap on the Amiga. This is a rubbish game in every way that it could be. Graphics are boring and grey. The spaceship looks exactly like Zaxxon, although it's not as good as Zaxxon or Super Zaxxon. It plays really slowly. It's really pointless. You won't get anywhere in it. That's because even this, I, I would defy anyone to get to the end of the level, 10 levels, and then want to carry on for another 20. By that point, you'll have found yourself, the joystick will have slipped out of your hand. And for reasons you'll not be able to explain, you'd be stabbing yourself in the neck with a really sharp pen. <laughs> you'd be treading on a Lego brick. Exactly. Don't do any of that. Just don't ever, ever entertain this. This is not Gremlin's finest hour. Let's put it that way. This is undoubtedly a load of rubbish. It got 24%. And get this, Adrian, it was £9.99. Full price. Honestly, no. No, 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 no. Take it away. Take it away. Take it back to the chef and put it under the grill for longer. Take it away. It's horrible. Smells. Horrible. What did you think? (laughs) Why? What was this? Were people crying out for a jerky version of uh, Zaxxon in 1989? Did they hear them on the streets? (laughs) What do we want? Jerky version of Zaxxon. When do we want it? Now. No one did that. (laughs) See, someone thought so, because here we have, hey, a boring and ill-conceived version of the seminal Sega Arcade from many years ago. I'm not sure what they were trying to do here, but whatever it was, they failed. Badly. The diagonal scrolling is, like I said, very jerky. I mean, I went and played the original C64 version of Zaxxon, the the, uh, sign-up software one, the Synsoft one, and it's really smooth and fast. Yeah, perfectly good. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> compared to you, put you play this and you're like, uh, it's slow and jerky. It's like, yeah. oh, it's double. The Amiga one is, is jerky though as well. This is this is not a well put together game on any any of the no. And the, the aliens are dead boring to fight as well. They're just yeah. moving these random patterns. You can just st- slick off to the right. They remind <laughs> me of the way that weird guy dances in The Simpsons. You know the other one that goes <laughs> that guy. It's them. They just shuffle about and just. Yeah. Are, are you in my way? And should I shoot you? I don't. I don't, I don't know if I feel so. sorry for you. And like you said, also one life. That's never a good thing in this kind of game, especially when you have to endure the boring autopilot intro sequence for some reason every bloody time. Oh, die. <laughs> no wonder they call it hate. Yeah, I mean, and we didn't like it particularly very much, but, you know, if you want to play a Zaxxon derivative, there are others. That Sigma 7, like you said, was all right. You know, that Leviathan from English Software. Panther. Panther. But at least, I mean... Budget. At least Leviathan, you know, that was a good-looking version of it. The graphics were yeah. really nice on that. So it had something. It controlled stupidly, yeah. but it had something. It was trying to do something. Yeah. This is just crap in 1989. What's going on? Don't even like that. Like yeah. I said, go play the sign-up software one, the Synsoft one, if you want to play Zaxxon. Yeah. Just go play that because yes. it's still the best Zaxxon. As well, we're not massive fans of Zaxxon. We're all, you know, it's still the best version of a Zaxxon on the C64, I think. Yeah, uh, way better or, than this. Awfulness. Or, or Panther or something like that, which is, yeah, the, yeah. the t- tin, spam ver- tin spam game. Exactly. No good. No, I hated this. There we go. Hate. You will. You will hate. You will come to no hate. Should you play this? <laughs> you will. You will. Bloody well will. I did. Yeah. <laughs>
There you go. We've got one left. Let's move on to that. And that game is Ninja Commando. We've got more ninjas. Just like more we ninjas. Off, just like uh, the first half. We or are they off. Ninas? <laughs> Nina Commando. We ra- <laughs> or Nina Commando. <laughs> you have to knock out the second to last letter. Ninja Commando is another game here about our favorite sneaky warriors in the 80s. It's Ninja Commando. This was $2.99. Um, and I'm wondering, Ninja Commando, under that sneaky suit, it's hard to know if he is a Ninja Commando or if he is a Ninja Going Commando. Oh, gosh. Do we want to know the answer to that question? Probably not. We will never know. Anyway, it's from Zeppelin Games, this. It's 2 as I said. And it's from the ever-reliable trio of Kevin Franklin on code, Michael Owens yeah. on visuals, and Adam Gilmore on music. Okay. There's not much, there's not much story here, <laughs> but from the back of the box, I'll just read the back of the box. The master of the martial arts, the ninja, the highly trained exponent of the killer blow is devastating <laughs> enough. But here, death stars, grenades, flames, and machine guns Make sure the acrobatic master is unstoppable. I was with him up to machine guns. (laughs) Just a little too anachronistic for my liking, I think. Anyway, Ninja Commando. This is you running and jumping and bombing and shooting through eight levels for some reason. I have no idea why. It's pure budget. It's pure budget. This is, you know, it's just, we've done a game. (laughs) Here you go. It's just a series of levels to progress through and get as far as you can and as high a score as possible. When the game loads, you get a nice title screen, as we've come to expect from these guys. A couple of ninjas doing poses at the top. There's some rotating initials, and there's a large scrolling message giving us the credits and the present high scores. There's also a solid piece of music from Mr. Gilmore that I thought had maniacs of noise elements to it. Um, had yeah, a, kind I of similar agree. sort of vibe. But so yep. if you're mentioning Manix Noise, you know, it's good high praise. Um, he's doing a good job, Mr. Gilmore. There's nothing much to do there aside from listening to the music. So stab at the fire button starts the game. We get a little piece of music and a nice fade in of the level. And first impressions are pretty decent. Your little ninja, he's a bit blocky, but I thought he was quite cool. Uh, he sort of stood on some well-shaded platforms. There's a good background. There's a good selection of colours here. Nice, nice colours. It looks brown, brown stuff. They're well-shaded and they look nice. The UI at the top is placed like some well, just like set in some well-drawn mountains. That is red mountains. Nicely shaded and stuff. Lots of nice dithering. And shows your current weapon, the number of lives, and the timer for the lever, level as an ever-decreasing green bar. Your little ninja seems blocky and tiny, as I said. But once you start moving, he's got a really strong level of animation. I thought the animation on him was really quite cool. He's got a little, yeah. I, like his, I like his run. He's like his really sort of determined run. Yeah. Uh, so it's nice. Left and right move you up. Uh, left and right, sorry, move you. And up and diagonals jump in that direction. And he's got a really well-animated somersault and a good sense of weight. I really like the animation on this guy. It's, it's, and the controls, I thought they were really nice. The levels are made up of platforms. And on these platforms are doors. From these doors, ninjas in different colored costumes will come out and run in various patterns. Contact yeah. with any of them will make you blow up. <laughs> Literally blow up, bah, boom, and it will cost you a life. However, if you Mario-style jump onto their heads, they will explode. So, uh, so you got to kill them at first because you you don't have any weapons at first. Um, you just have your fist. So your little icon for a weapon is your fist, which is weird because you use your feet to kill them. So I thought it'd be your feet, but never mind. Killing three of these ninjas jumping on their heads just gets you get given shurikens to throw at them. So you can now throw shurikens with the fire button. It takes two of these, two hits with the shurikens to kill any ninja. If you kill another five ninjas, then a bomb power-up appears. Pick this up, and it throws in an arc, but kills anything on landing when it explodes, so that's quite handy, or anything it hits in its throw. 
kill another five ninjas and you get an, another power-up, which gives you fiery breath instead of the bombs, which instantly kills on contact. You just breathe fire. It's like out your mouth. Like, kind of cool. Kill another five, though, and you get the machine gun, which shoots across the level. <laughs> I don't know why a ninja's got a machine gun. Whatever. So that's it. You know, so that's it, really. So with this, you just you just need to move left and right, and you try and navigate the platforms. It's nothing wholly original. You're just trying to run from left to right. The basic red ninjas that come out, they kind of just run back and forth in a pattern. Um, some just are quite run quite close to the door. Some will sort of run off a bit further, and you've got to jump on the reds. The blue ninjas that come out, they will leap up to a level above, or they will drop down. They'll run off the platform and drop down to the level below. The red ones will always just stay on the platform. The blue ones can flip up, or they can run off the platforms and drop down below. And if they jump up where you are, even though they're jumping into your feet, which are your killing weapons, they will kill you. Okay, so be careful of them jumping up and down. You need to kind of learn their patterns, because they kind of come out of the doors and do set patterns. You can lean them, you just need to look, watch out for them. Um, there are also brown ninjas that I noticed. I didn't get very far in this game, because it's quite hard. And they will wield machine guns with which to shoot you. Okay, so you need to dodge them as well. There are also flying enemies of various designs, kind of weird sort of things that just sort of float around. These cannot be killed with any of your weapons. They must be avoided. If they hit you, you lose and you die again. And that's kind of it. This is very much a mid-80s arcade game design, I thought, because it's just run left to right and avoid stuff. I thought there's some elements lifted from ghosts and goblins in the way you get different weapons and the way that they sort of power up. So I thought the bombs felt like the torches that you throw. Um, And then the machine gun felt more like the sort of fast sort of dagger that you get i thought there was a little bit of that to it and the basic premise is just go right that's it just go right you can actually you don't even you can and i tried this and it is quite possible just completely ignore the enemies and just platform and avoid them and make your way through and just try and avoid everything and you that's a perfectly legitimate way to sort of progress in this it's not about you know you have to kill everything it's just like ghosts and goblins was if you just avoid everything you can do that and you know i suppose Mm. but it's that kind of game it's okay it's not without its issues, though. It's a bit too hard and punishing. Enemies seem to be slightly faster than you, or the collision box is not quite right. Sometimes I would turn away to run, and I would be running away from them for a bit, but then they'd catch me and somehow kill me, and that's a bit annoying. You don't get a chance to sort of turn around or jump, even though they don't seem to be actually closing on me. It's like the collision box as my foot comes up, hits theirs, and whatever. Yeah, I noticed that. Other times I'd be on the edge of a platform, need to turn around to get a bit of space to run up, but the act of turning would drop me into the sea below. That was yep. frustrating because um, the sea below the levels and that kills you as well, instantly kills you. There's also a bit with some platforms that are sort of dropping out down below a certain section. I got down mm-hmm. onto them going down and there was no way off them. I was yep. stuck. So that was a bit frustrating as well. So there's some annoyances here. Um, and also as well, it does that thing that death robs you of all weapons, leaving yep. having to jump on heads again if you want to get the shurikens and the bombs and the flamethrower and the machine, if you want to go that way. As I said, you can just skip. You don't go all the way back to the beginning. You it, So it does have a decent checkpointing system. So that's not so bad. You actually don't go back too far, um, but you do lose what you've got. And I mean, and that's it really. It's a run left to right. See if you can get through the levels. There's eight of them to get through. You won't. <laughs> not the number no. of lives you have it's it's too hard but for three quid it is what it is it's it's i think it's them back to the form we saw with things like zybex and draconis which they did i think yeah. it's more you know it's it's more quality of that so it's not as probably not as quite as good as those two it's good but it's and it's all right but you know it's better to see that they've gone back to doing this after that jockey wilson's darts and that's las vegas casino which we didn't particularly yeah, like yeah. so for, for three quid this is simple basic budget mm. stuff that has really good music the graphics are really nice well animated the backgrounds are good it all works i think there's just a few little bits that are just you know
know, probably lack of playtesting. They probably knock this out in a few about three or four weeks, I imagine, these guys. So they probably want a lot of playtesting. They knew what they were up to. They probably did it. Boom, done and out. It's okay. It's decent budget for this. I didn't hate it. It's just it's it's okay. It was a good little blast for a few, you know, for half hour or something like that. What did you think? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it looked nice. It did. It really, um, really I quite high like, hopes, yeah. you know, high hopes because the music was okay. A bit shrill maybe, but like you say, on the kind of maniacs and noise side of these guys, really. Presentation was nice and bold. Clearly some good code in there. You know, the whole thing feels like well produced for three quid, really. You know, really exceptional yeah. for that. I think the game felt for me like it started you off a little bit underpowered for a ninja. Um, <laughs> you know, j- jumping on the enemies. I don't know. I'm not. I'm no expert. But I've always assumed that ninjas were well-trained in the art of stealth weapons and hand-to-hand combat. So kind of giving them none of that and making it so you jump on their heads. I'd rather it was just fighting at the start, so you just punched and kicked. Mm -hmm. It would have made more contextual sense than jumping on the heads of them. I don't remember a lot of literature surrounding ninjas (laughs) and their body weight crushing killer jumps. (laughs) I imagine it's probably less... Well, probably, I imagine it's less stealthy, uh, a less stealthy approach to ninjadom. But what do I know? I've only ever known two real ninjas, and they did own swords and were very well-trained martial artists, but never jumped on my head, as far as I remember. Mm. To avoid, um, I suppose, so to jump and land on the enemies, okay, fine. But, and you sort of progress through the game. Once you get the hang of it, it, it's quite good fun, actually. I think the problem is that it is a little bit on the difficult side, and you don't start, and the, the premise, the direction of the game is just a little bit wrong. I think it just needed a bit more game design and a bit less yeah. show and tell but for three quid all right the gameplay maybe isn't there but it is you know you, you'll progress through it and you'll be having a bit of a laugh i think if they'd have just taken a leaf out of bruce lee's book this game could have been something really interesting but maybe go and play bruce lee if you want a bit of bruce lee if you just want to jump on people's heads as an ninja and you know pick up the odd weapons and use a machine gun bizarrely um mm. this may be the game for you at three pounds it bad pun and it does look really good that's what i think was the the biggest shame of it I think it it looked so nice. I really wanted it to be really good, and it was just wasn't great. It was out. It was all right for the fun I had with it for three quid. Okay, but it could have been really amazing had they just applied a little bit more thought to making the game about a thing and going and doing a thing or something mm. like that, and giving it a bit more purpose. I think they'd seen Mario because it does because jumping on heads is the Mario way of killing stuff, and I think yeah, that, and it's a left to right road where you're jumping on heads. Sound it like. is very yeah it is it is got there is i mean i've just been playing a lot of mario recently and it, and it did have that vibe about it but i don't know and I, I quite like the little pixel art graphic style of it and everything else like i said the, all, all the tropes and everything are there it's just not quite using ninjas properly and i think you could have made this into quite a good ninja game had you thought about that a little bit more but you know three quid buys you what you get if you want a full-blown ninja game go on ballast ninja god's sake stop complaining about ninja games and maybe they are a commander <laughs> under there very dangerous but you know ninjas you know they're they're very stealthy so who knows? You'd, you'd never know i mean you would know because obviously the you'd, the whistling of the <laughs> the slapping of the thigh would give them away if they were going commando <laughs> well they'd have to tie it to one side or something wouldn't they you know no, no wonder they're uh, they're always looking quite angry it's like tying the ponytails back <laughs> exactly yeah it's a, it's a discipline that only the ninja knows the real pain of that what's that that's not a hairband what's that for hey <laughs> <laughs> because all the way what around have you my got thigh. Down there? Good lord. <laughs> <laughs> thwack, 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 thwack. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Goodness me. Ninja no Commander. The ninjas, eh? They were they were there in so much pain. <laughs> Where is my ninja? <laughs> yeah. Swinging I, down between I can my hear legs. Him. Yeah. I can hear him clearly. <laughs> yes, it's, it's like a slapping sound. Ninjas. And they're close. <laughs> and they've too close. Their, and they've forgotten their pants again. What's that on my cheek? Oh, thank God they're not that close. 
<laughs> I'm not, that's, that's not a blowpipe. <laughs> or is it? A Japanese sliding door just slowly slides closed. They'll be okay. They'll be okay in there. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> anyway. N- defense mechanism head. <laughs> Initiated. Oh dear, right, there we go. That's our six games for this week. Oh man alive. What did we look at? Citadel. Mighty. Yeah, we like Citadel. American Club Sports. No tickets. It's not a clubhouse. Not, would have been no so sport. easy to make that bit yeah. Saboteur 2 The Adventures of Nina mm. yeah <laughs> Nina the sister of Ninja the fatally the very fatally what did Ninja wounded. do for a living oh he was an accountant <laughs> what a strange name Absolutely. yeah <laughs> you know I would have thought very nearly fatally wounded I, I would have thought he would have gone into ninjuring nah <laughs> nah an accountancy all the way Baal what was Baal <laughs> yeah Baal a load of Baal a load of Baal hate is the real you know negative one yeah. this week and finally yeah. Ninja Ninja Slappy Commando <laughs> and that's it that's it for this week that's the first half of uh, August 1989 done um, we've got what we got next week five games coming up next week only five more sort of thing that is 3D pool you'll see if that guy's mm. leaning up against the invisible wall um, from the crap vert uh, we've got Super Scramble Simulator SSS, all the S's. It's $9.99, that is. That sounds quite a lot Ouch. for that, whatever that might be. Deep Strike, whatever that is. Okay. Arcade Flight Simulator. Uh... <laughs> and finally, the oh, the Punishing, the Punishing Rick Dangerous. Oh, God, more difficult oh, games. It is one of the difficult games. Um, so we've got that coming up to round out um, uh, August next week. Um, if you mm. wish to uh, support us, as ever, you can do that. You can go to yeah. our Patreon and sign up for patreon.com forward slash adapt to the past for well less probably these days than a pint price of a pint of beer probably more like a price of a sandwich these days and you can do that you can go over there and that'll be cool and join in all the stuff so you can get the you can get the episodes advert free and early as well you get them before the weekend if you wish to listen to over the weekend and you can join our discord server and go to chat with us there and you can ask us questions you can join in on the end of year stuff and things like that so you know that would be cool and you also get the warm pleasant knowledge that you're supporting us and helping us keep this ball rolling as we progress towards you know the back half of the uh well well into the back half now of the c64 stuff alternatively you can well it's gonna do you can buy our stuff it's up to the past.shop you can go there and buy some cool stuff and that helps as well buys a kofi coffee at kofi.com forward slash uh to the past and things like that alternatively chat on twitter give us a shout or a share or anything like that it's all cool and all good and that's about it anything you wish to add Mr. Raddings? No, it's been a rough old uh, week. Although Citadel was good, so you know, at least go and play that maybe. I think it's, it's been. A, I think it's been an average week. I mean, apart from hate, nothing's been bad. Club Sports was dull. Saboteur two dull. 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 Hate dull. They're just dull. Ninja Commando was okay, I suppose, and Citadel. So top and tail was all right. Middle bit was a bit dull. Yeah, it's like a bad sandwich. It is a bad sandwich, yeah. Well, it was a bad sandwich, but the bread was nice. Bread was tasty bread. Which is always good, always good. So there we go. On that note, I think we'll say goodbye. We will see you again next week. Um, as ever, I have been Adrian Mills. And I have been Graham Raddings. And you have been listening to the slappy slap of a ninja commando. And we will see you again <laughs> next week. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Zap to the Past podcast. 
We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into the world of Commodore 64 games, as well as the music, films and TV from around the 1980s, driven, of course, by the issue of Zap 64 magazine published at that time. We will return with a whole new batch of games and stuff to talk about next week. Until then, if you want to listen to or download previous episodes of Zap to the Past, and why wouldn't you? They can all be found on our website at zaptothepast.com, as well as being available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, Audible, Player FM, and, well, pretty much anywhere where we can upload them. By the way, we do always love to hear from our amazing listeners, so if you'd like to contact us about anything in the podcast or beyond, you can do so by emailing us at zaptothepast at gmail.com. We're also active on Twitter under at Zaptuther, as well as Facebook, Instagram, and most social media platforms. Just search for Zap to the Past and you'll find us. Oh, and if you like the podcast and what we're doing, please do like, share, review, rate us. It really helps. Something, apparently. The Zap to the Past podcast is written and produced by Adrian Mills and Graham Ruddings and recorded at Flaky Bits 2.0 Studio. All opinions expressed are those of the writers, and while we indeed love Zap64 magazine, the Zap to the Past podcast is not affiliated with it in any way. Stay safe, see you next time, and remember, we play these games so you don't have to.